everybody, welcome to the 329th episode of the Random Podcast from Heck. My name is Tony and this is the podcast about random things in the world of entertainment, which includes movies, TV shows, and comic books. Big shout out to Dave McPhail and Andrew Logan. They are big supporters of the show. You can be a su- supporter by going to patreon.com slash gmanfromheck. Any amount you can commit to will be awesome. If you commit at the Rick Jones tier or higher, you get access to the secret podcast from Heck, which is an additional 30 minutes of podcast entertainment every single week. Currently looking at John Burns' X-Men The Hidden Years. So that's from like 2001. We're wrapping that up. And then uh, sometimes I talk about just random comic book topics, hot topics. Or sometimes I talk about older movies, classic movies, cult movies, or anything anything <laughs> but if you can't commit to a monthly commitment you can also help out by going to coffee.com slash gman from heck and you can buy me a virtual cup of coffee or four that's ko-fi.com slash gman from heck all right this week we'll, we'll see how this week's gonna go i feel you know it, it's been crazy there's things going on and i feel like i'm not covering as much as i i could this week but We'll, we'll, we'll get there. So we, wrapping things up at school, other stuff going on. Uh, we have Wonka is a movie feature. And we have the third Doctor Who special. And um, oh my goodness, that, that, that was something. So we definitely got some stuff to say about that. And then uh, we got one episode of Monarch. So we're going to look at the fourth episode. I think right now the sixth episode is out. So I'm two weeks behind. I don't think I'm three weeks behind. Uh, but we'll, we'll get caught up there. Maybe soon, over, over the next couple of weeks. Hopefully you can like squeeze in another one or something. And then I'm still only going to do one episode of Scott Pilgrim Takes Off. And then that's it for, for movies and, and TV shows. And then we got comic books and news. We'll see how, how all that's going to go. There's something else I was going to say. I can't remember what, what that was. Oh, uh, next week, uh, I'll mention this at the end. I'm, I'm going to try to cover Reacher. So as you listen to this, Amazon decided to drop not one, not two, but three episodes of Reacher. Um, I'm looking forward to the second season. I know I didn't talk about the the first season on, on the show. I actually end, end up uh, listening to it late, so I don't know if there's interest in in Reacher. I mean, you can you can let me know, and um, I, I look forward to watching the the second season. If you haven't watched it, it's on Prime. Watch the first season; it's really good. I never. Actually, you know, I'm trying to think. I don't think I ever saw the the Tom Cruise movies, and I was always hesitant. There's like, it feels like there's so many Tom Cruise movies I haven't seen, but I heard like mixed things about that. And then I did listen to the audio book, the the first book, and I think that the biggest complaint is that Tom Cruise is not how Jack Reacher is described. And I listened to audiobook and I was like, yeah, this is this is not him. I listened to the book and then I watched the season and it was it was kind of neat to do it that way, you know, because you know what the story is and so forth. So I look forward to seeing Hank Hall from uh, Titans as as Reacher. But let's get to the news. Um, it feels like there wasn't a whole lot. I know I say that a lot, but uh, we'll see what we have. So Wyatt Russell, uh, he's there's not a whole lot of news here. Uh, I shouldn't even mention anything, but you know, he's, he's got good positive things to say about the Thunderbolts movie. And you know, one have, of course he's going to say good things. You know, he's going to be pumping it up. I almost feel like I, he shouldn't be talking about it yet because he's not doing a Thunderbolts press conference. You know, it's, it's while he's talking about other things, but 
he's talking about like he, or he's mentioned how great or unbelievable Florence, Florence Pugh is and he says it's a really interesting story and you know they're just trying to do something different and I, I guess apparently they haven't started shooting yet I'm trying to I thought that they did because wasn't there oh no 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 I, I, I what I'm okay here's what I'm thinking about Captain America I was like I know there's been like some some stuff with like Harrison Ford and that okay we're talking about Thunderbolt so yeah that hasn't shot yet and then you know of course the writer strike happened and all that so hopefully they'll get on that that soon and because I, I don't remember what the, what the release date is i know I've, I've talked about that there's a bunch of james gunn stuff he, he, so he, apparently he's uh he, you know he, he's typing a lot on threads uh, the instagram alternate social media whatever thing and of course every time he does this it's like each each topic becomes a, a news <laughs> like report on, on various uh, websites. So one of the things, I guess he had some stuff to say about gratuitous cameos. So he, he's apparently against them and in the superhero movies, you know, he, he says he doesn't mind if it's like a regular cameo or if it's an Easter egg or, you know, something in the background, but not when they're like shoehorned in. Cause when, when I was first like hearing about this, I was like, there are so many characters apparently going to be in Superman legacy. And, you know, I get that this is like the first official, movie or whatever of the new dc whatever i don't even know if they have a name for it but i feel like you know and and i i hope what well, this it's good that he's saying this because i i don't think we need to see every single possible person and i i would imagine you know they're trying to go a little bit in the, the marvel route because that formula worked and you know dc was was very anti about that they're like you know we don't need to have everything connect you know we want to tell these characters you know who they are or whatever and it just didn't really seem like it worked as well. And I, I think part of the reason why the Avengers was so successful is you had these separate movies. So, you know, even whether people knew the characters from the comics or whatever other things or not, but, you know, we got to see who's Captain America, who's Iron Man, who's Thor. So you, you get a good sense of most of these characters and then you bring them together. And then that's where it becomes cool because you feel like you already know them. And then, you know, you don't have to go through the whole story of telling the origin of everything. So... I, th I think there is something uh, about that, but we'll see. And then uh, he, he had some stuff to say about Nicholas Holt. Because <laughs> he, he, he says that Lex Luthor is different from anything you've seen. So uh, he said that was on Instagram. And, um, and I don't really know what that means. Uh, does, does that mean that possibly... See, I don't even know. I was gonna say, was Lex Luthor gonna have hair? Then we we see that Lex Luthor is gonna have a bunch of facial tattoos, like Joker. <laughs> I don't know, but Nicholas Holt's good, so we'll, we'll see about that. Apparently, there is some. I think it was a Hollywood Reporter mentioned that Palm Clementif and Miriam Shore were gonna be in Superman Legacy because uh, so Palm has been in, uh, you know, worked with James Gunn a bit and everything. Uh, but he's like, no, uh, that, that's, that's not true. Um, <laughs> so, it, but it, it's crazy that the Hollywood reporter reported on that and, and they got it wrong. So, I, I don't know, you know, so for me, I'm always hesitant, you know, when, when I see something and then you, you say like, oh, it's, it's report. It's, it's not even factual. There's no, no, like, official 
press release channel thing. I, I don't I don't know. It's 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 annoying that all this stuff and it, it's all it takes is you know someone may hear something and then they report on it. Then someone's like, oh well, if this place is reporting you, it's got to be true. So always always be aware of you know what you're reading or hearing and and I, I it's like my students do this all the time well they'll they'll start talking about oh yeah this happened and then what and i'm like just, I, was, I was like uh that, that's not true <laughs> you know when you when you hear them talking about like like oh a kid's not in school they're sick because of this or whatever and i was like that's not even what happened so that's just i guess human nature i don't know uh good omens who's watching good omens i started watching there's something about it i mean i enjoyed the book and I started watching the first season. You know, I love David Tennant, obviously, but there was something about it. I don't know what it was. I mean, maybe it was just the time that I watched it, but I, I don't think I ever finished the first season. And, and hopefully, I wonder if my place is still saved if I go to Prime and check it out. But then the second season came, right? I'm pretty sure the second season already was on. But now they're saying that there will be a third season, and this is going to be the third and final season. So this is going to going to close up the story or whatever. So so that's good. I mean, if you're a fan of it, you know, we it's official. We're going to get a third season. But I need to watch that because, uh, and if if you watch it, let me. I mean, should I be watching that? Uh, what if season two? This is this is kind of a bummer for me. So season two is starting on December twenty second. There's going to be one episode, right? Great, awesome. But apparently, they're going to release one new episode each day for the next nine days. So, <laughs> so I, I, I'm not sure what I'm going to do about that. Because, you know, I, I think I talked about the first season on the show. And um, I don't remember if I did or not. So, it, it, I mean, if they're going to do nine episodes, you know, I, 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 I won't be able to keep up with that. So maybe I'll I'll watch a couple and you know I can comment on, on how how they were. The first season was fine, uh, you know I I liked the idea of it, and you know the animation was good and obviously the voice acting is is is, is really good. So we'll see. Now my, my only concern is, you know, because I as you know sometimes I I don't want to get I don't want to see too many trailers and you know I, I don't want too many spoilers or anything like that. But the couple of things that I've seen. It's like, you know, because we're releasing it on the 22nd. It's going to be around the holidays. And I don't need a bunch of holiday-themed episodes because I feel like I, I feel like that kind of limits the repeated viewing. Because it's like, okay, yeah, maybe you'll watch it every year during the holidays. But I, I feel like it should just, you know, if especially if it's going to be what if. Give me a, a cool what if story just like random or, you know, that, that's, that can, an, like an evergreen story. You know, it's like I don't need it to be centered around the holidays because that just, it just seems a, a, it seems a little, a little short-sighted. But maybe that's just me. Maybe people want, want that. Uh, I, you know, I, I could be wrong. So who knows? Uh, we have some some Mark Wahlberg news. He actually has a movie, right? That just I think that came out this this past weekend. Um, I forgot what it's called. Is it The Family Man? Family something? Where it's on Apple TV. I I'm kind of curious to see it. I I may try to watch it at some point. I don't know if I would talk about it on the podcast ever. Uh, it, maybe if if I watch it this this week, you know, I may just super briefly mention something in next week's show. But it's it's a basically he was like some sort of government secret agent type of thing. He he quit retired, 
and you know he ends up getting married has kids and then i think he kind of gets like pulled back into it but in a, in a typical like marky mark fat mark marky mark mark Wahlberg fashion the way he like talks really fast and you go know, you know hey i just found a transformer in the barn and and uh you know he like he he tells a story and his like kids kind of laugh at him i i, I just i don't know i, I just think, think this is kind of funny it seems like such a dumb movie but it seems like it could be fun and you know sometimes that's what you want so We'll, we'll, we'll see. I'll, I'll let you know if I get a chance to watch that. And hopefully it's it's not like just garbage, but I, it looks like it could be fun. Speaking of Mark Wahlberg, I think that's why I'm, I'm bringing this up. He also had something to say about the $6 billion man um, update reboot thing. So I, I guess there's still, it, there's still some possibility, you know, they still want to do it. He's looking forward to it. And I think uh, whatever company is working on, you know, they're trying to finalize and secure all the rights and, and do that. So that that could be it'll be interesting to see that because you know that's a show from the seventies, and yeah because it was a six million dollar man and this is a six billion dollar man, so you know inflation and all that. So I, I I would love to see what they could do with that and how they could modernize it without making it seem too generic. So I I I'd, I'd be totally down for that. And then I believe the last bit of news is a. Uh, so remember, it feels like it was a while ago. There's a, a few years back, they announced a Spider-Man freshman year animated show. And I'm super looking forward to this because Leonardo Romero, who's currently doing the art for uh, Birds of Prey, I love his art. And it's just his style and everything. It's just, it's like, kind of like retro, whatever. It's just so, so cool. He was, kind of did the character design. So they're basing animation off of this. You know, he's obviously not drawing the actual animation, but, you know, they're, they're basing it around that. And uh, I guess they're renaming it. It's not going to be called Freshman Year. It's going to be called Your Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man. And I, I think that's a good move because I, I think originally what they were saying is the, like, the first season was going to be Freshman Year. Then we're going to do Sophomore Year. But I feel like that kind of limits it because if you just call it, like, whatever, Spider-Man, and then, you know, you could, like, each season doesn't have to be a year. So it, it kind of gives it a longer shelf life because, you know, it, what if you do like 10 seasons, it's like you, what then each each season he's a year older versus it's possible like from one season to, you know, season one to season two could be within, you know, three weeks or something, you know, maybe, or maybe a little longer. But I, as it was like, as I get so passionately upset, maybe I should talk about this, maybe I should do it like a off of mind about this. <laughs> that's a good idea, Tony. Um, you know, you, you, you can't, so I was talking about Fantastic Four is, and, uh, I don't think you can lock in a time. So maybe, yeah, maybe I'll, I'll ramble more about that on a, on a future, uh, secret podcast uh, episode. But with that, there is a lot more to ramble on about, but that is going to be news for the week. All right. With comic books at image comics, there was, the Bloody Dozen, uh, which it says, so this is by Charles Soule and uh, Alberto Jimenez Alberque. Um, while I remember about Charles Soule, I am uh, currently, I, I'm listening to his audiobook for his, his latest uh, book, The Endless Vessel. It's very interesting. Uh, check out his, his books, because they're, they're pretty cool. But with uh, The Bloody Dozen, it says it's a tale of the Shrouded College, and this is supposed to be the second book. I don't know if I ever... I don't know what the first one was because this is the bloody dozen a dale of the shrouded college so i don't know what the first one was and i didn't uh, look it up 
but I don't remember reading that. So this, so what was this one about? It's interesting. You look in the cover and you see three astronauts or three, it looks like they're astronauts are like out in space and wearing spacesuits. It's basically, I, I didn't even really look at the cover <laughs> that, that carefully, uh, but it's interesting that they show that. And uh, basically the story starts off like a hundred years ago. There, there's something there, like something hidden, like way out, you know, the Arctic, middle of nowhere or whatever. And then these three people are basically kind of like approached about something. And there's a connection between the three people. You know, I don't think it's a real spoiler. It might be in the, the solicit, uh, but it's basically this group is trying to get them together because of their skills to do something. And I don't know, because like I said, because of the shrouded college. Oh, so the people involved with this, the person is like recruiting them or whatever has some sort of special abilities. So it's not just like, it's not like a regular real world book. You know, there's some super something of, you know, supernatural, super abilities, whatever going on here. So it's, uh, I'm definitely intrigued with this. And uh, I, it's, I had not having read anything else, knowing what the heck this shrouded college is. I, I, it, it stands on its own and it's, it's interesting. So I'm definitely going to check out the next one and I should look into see what this other one was. Uh, Cause then at the end you figure out like, okay, what, what exactly is this mission that they want them to go on? You know, why are they being recruited? You know, whether you want to call it, it's calling it a mission seems a little weird, but that that's basically what it is. Anyways. Uh, then there's the Enfield gang massacre number five. And this one, this, this story kind of, or this issue kind of, kind of made me mad a little bit. So, you know, basically this banker was killed and they think it's this, this cowboy bandit dude who, you know, he's, he's robbed banks and he, you know, he's killed people here and there, but he's not, you know, he's got some morals, you know, he has his gang and, you know, he has, has like a, I don't think, I think it's just his girlfriend. I don't think they're married, but he kind of has a code and he's been targeted and like the, the sheriff, is a little reluctant, you know, he has been a little reluctant, like, like with the means and everything. So he basically gets relieved of his duty. There's this other guy that's very gung ho that wants to, you know, pretty much go to whatever means necessary to bring him in. But it's like, it's pretty clear that he, you know, he didn't do it. He wouldn't do it the way the killing happened. And, you know, it, it's, it's not what he would do, but they're still going after him. And then finally he's captured and it's just, the way they're handling things and yeah so it was just like kind of kind of make make me a little mad but it's it's supposed to because it's it's not they're not good people involved then there's phantom road issue seven so i don't know so this is jeff lemire and gabriel h walter and jordy belair we have kind of like two stories going on so there was a trucker and this woman, they, they got their story. So there was this car accident, and the woman, I think it was her, I don't even remember now if it was her, her boyfriend or husband, died in a crash. And uh, there was some weird artifact thing that the trucker picked up, and he's giving this lady a ride. And then there's these, these kind of like mindless, not really mindless, but these like weird people they're like featureless people like just like all over the place so they somehow have been shunted over to this parallel world and you know they're trying to figure out what's going on but there's like 
there are like a couple things going on um like real there's like <laughs> we see in this issue i think we saw it before but someone like dressed up in like a mascot suit so it's like wait what, what is that all about and then you have this lady this fbi agent and her partner so her partner was killed and it's like you know, there's this investigation you know in the middle why was he suddenly killed and there's also we find out what this the, the main that the fbi agent her, her there's something about her dad like she found out like her dad she thought her dad was just like a regular you know whatever guy who died when she was young but then she finds out or there's like hint that maybe he was you know in the service or whatever um fbi or whatever group they're they're in and what she's getting these weird weird memory flashbacks and so i don't know how these two are connected and i don't know if we're supposed to know just yet or maybe i just missed it but i'm really curious what the heck is going on and we have a uh, radiant black 27 and radiant black 27.5 and I started reading this, so you know me when when I'm looking at it, I'm, I I feel like this week, even though there's like less on the show, I feel like I just I've I've gotten behind, you know, just trying to get everything done and trying to read all the comics. So the comics is actually like like took the most time, you know, trying trying to do all that. And so when I get the point, it's like so not only do I have to read, and I that sounds bad that I have to read it. I, I have to read it. Be, the reason I have to read it is because I like it, and because I like Kyle Higgins. But it's like not only do I have to read Radiant Black twenty seven, I got to read twenty seven point five. So it's like there, there's there's two two issues. So it's what's fascinating about this. What I like about it is we're seeing you know I think it was issue twenty five where it kind of split off because with the Radiant Black you know there, there's a, the two dudes that were kind of like sharing the suit you know because you know one had it gotten a coma and the other guy his friend you know took it over and everything and it's like well who's going to become radiant black so it basically split off into two timelines where they're each they each decided you know one took the suit and and the other one did not and we're seeing this big invasion unfold and how different things are going on. The the first issue, again, I think it was twenty five. They're they're very similar. You know, they had different artists, but like the pages were almost in sync for the most part. Then there's a couple things that that happened a little differently. So we're we're kind of seeing the results. It's almost like a kind of like a choose your own adventure. It's like, well, what happens if if this this guy took the, the suit, the power, or what happens if this guy took it? And we're seeing the the differences between the two. And there was one. I don't know if it was last issue where the way they saved a group of people, you know, they kind of handled the sort of same situation differently, but it, there are like drastic results. And here there's like some differences also, but there are some situations are still kind of mirroring that are like pretty similar. Um, but this one also, and, and I don't think I should hint as to what's going on in case you're, you're you know, following on here a little behind, but again, there's a, while things match up, there's a, a pretty big difference in the, in how, what the outcome was. So that's gonna, yeah, I don't know how that that's going to play out, but we'll, we'll see. And I don't know if it's been mentioned or not, but it's like, are these going to sync back up at some point, which I guess they will. <laughs> I was going to say, almost said so. I don't think they can, they kind of can't sync back up unless something happens somehow. Hmm. What does that mean? Um, then there was uh, where the body was. I did not get a chance to read this. 
Uh, so this is Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips. And, you know, of course, if you ever read anything they do, they, everything they do is always like super cool. And, um, I, I would like to read this, but this is like one of those, you know, oversized books. And I think, I think this is, I saw this was part one. Am, is that correct? I don't know where I saw that at. Cause I'm looking at this issue and it doesn't say part one. Um, maybe I mean, am I, am I crazy about that? But I, I look forward to reading that. At Marvel, there was a Blade issue six, and I just I don't know what it is. I, I just can't bring myself to read it. I'm I'm always been curious about Blade, but I just I can't. I should be reading this, but Blade and his new mentor Dracula. I was like, mm, no thanks. Captain America issue four. So this is uh, uh, J. Michael, J. JMS, uh, J. Michael Straczynski, um, and Land Medina is doing the art. So this, I've been intrigued with this series, how we're seeing like, the present and the flashback. And it's interesting because, you know, we, I don't think, I don't feel like we've really seen a lot of young Steve Rogers, like Steve Rogers pre, you know, super soldier serum days. You know, we, we knew he was small and, and whatever, and, you know, trying to, you know, he wanted to, go out for the service and you know was re rejected and all that but we're seeing just him trying to survive like you know years before that when you know his mom died and he's like living on his own and you know it, it's not easy with everything's going on and then there's also with the the coming the war going on and just like uh you know fascism and communism you know like whatever just like the different rallies and there's a some heavy stuff coming down. So it's, it's interesting. And then in the present, which I almost forgot, I should mention that. So Captain America gets in a pretty, pretty, um, tough fight and you know, he, he's fighting someone and it's interesting there. No. Okay. So I, I do, I should mention there were some moments during this fight where he says some things and it, it's not, like the way he he would talk it, it was it felt like a younger person talking and it's like captain america wouldn't talk on, on that on that level because he's so as he's fighting this guy you know he, he's trying to assess him and you know he's like uh, okay so he has this system and he, he calls it the ham sandwich he's like i called the ham sandwich because i thought of it and, and that's my idea so i get to name it why not Okay, and it tells me if I'm fighting a level one, a level two, a level three, or a level, holy crap, where did that come from? I don't know if I've ever heard Captain America say, holy crap, but it, you know, I saw one word, holy crap, where did that come from? There's something else he, he said, too, that didn't seem, and it was weird because I, I, don't, I, I don't feel like he would talk that way, and I don't feel like JMS would write him talking that way. So it, it was weird, but there, there was something else. And so did this guy uh, that he's fighting ends up being really overly powered. And uh, Captain America kind of surprisingly got a little over his head. He survives, obviously, but, you know, there, there's just some, some craziness going on there. Um, then we have Dark X-Men. This was issue five. And it, it turns out this was a, the, this is the last issue. Did we know that? Because on the cover... You know, it used to be in the days they would tell you it's a, a miniseries, and I'm 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 starting. There was something oh because Alpha Flight ended last week, and I I wasn't aware of that. You know, I don't read the solicits, and you know maybe it, it it's a solicit said final issue or anything like that, but I don't read the solicits because I don't want spoilers. 
and I don't really, you know, read the comic sites. Are there any comic sites anymore? I think there's still a couple, right? But I just wasn't aware that this was the last issue. And I just remember the days where they would tell you straight up, like on the cover by the numbering, it would say, you know, limited series or something like that. I almost feel like they don't want to do that. And I don't blame them, but I feel like they don't want to do that because some people might not want to invest in it. They're like, okay, why am I going to read this if it's just, you know, miniseries? Or if it's just a, you know, limited thing, I'll wait till it comes out and trade, you know, versus if it's an ongoing, someone might be like, oh, what's going to happen next? So it's, it's weird that this is just the ending. And the way it ends, it almost feels like it starts like rushing up. It's like, oh, you know, we're almost out, out of pages. So we, we got to wrap everything up and have you know, these people leave and these people stay and this person, you know, what's going on. And so with, with the team, the team kind of gets dissolved. You know, some, like I, as I just said, some people kind of go their own way, but then, you know, some people are still going to be around. And uh, it was just, it was kind of a, a weird, weird, uh, yeah, just, it, it was, I was like, huh? And so I guess we'll just see where, where it goes from here. I don't know how I felt about the... I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of okay. I mean, I was intrigued just because I'm, I'm interested in some of the characters. But just the idea of this being a, a team book just seemed kind of weird. So we'll see where these characters pop up. I mean, there are just too many X-Men books. It's just hard for me to, to keep up with. Then we had some gang war books and... And the thing with these gang war books, they're not even like, they're, they're like one shot, you know, they're, they're not, or two shots, they're not even part of like a regular series. So we had a gang war Daredevil, but this isn't taking place within the Daredevil uh, series. And, and, you know, this is with Electra Daredevil, so it's not even met. So this is by Erica Schultz and Sergio Davila. And it's, um, there, there's some mirroring of, of events with uh, Amazing Spider-Man, or was it the gang war special, whatever it was, where, you know, it's Electro, Daredevil, Spider-Man, um, She-Hulk, and Miles Morales, you know, they're, they're fighting the streets, you know, because all the gangs are fighting for territory, you know, they're trying to take over New York and all that. So we see Electra doing her thing, and she comes across, like, this new villain, I guess you, you could say, and uh, we'll have to see where that's going to go. And um, one thing I didn't like, so Electra's, at what I assume is like her, I don't know if it's her where she wherever she's staying, but it's like a, her you know safe house. And then the, the owl just shows up, and, and she kind of puts him in his place and everything because he's such a dork of a character. But I don't like that he just like pops up in the window. He's like right there, and I just I just never never ever like that character. He's just I just I I don't get him. I do not like him. Oh, not not quite as much as Carnage, but I just he just seems such a weird character. Guardians of the Galaxy, issue nine. I'm I'm not I'm not digging this this series, but I I did skim through this issue. It's uh, Mantis and Gamora. They decide to go to Earth, and I almost forgot about that. So <laughs> all the Infinity Stones that they went up to different people. They're still out there. And I almost forgot that one of them went to this kid who's like a robot or something. And he's on his own and he's like a painter and was like, he's out in the desert or somewhere. And I just, I don't understand like where, I don't even remember where he came from, but I remember when it came up. And so he turns out he has a soul stone. And so they, they're, they go after him because they, 
they need to borrow a stone or you know they're they're interested in, in trying to, to help drax out you know because so when they they confront this kid it's like he's fighting them with the all the souls that were in there and it's like anyone who's who's been in the soul stone so like you know you see adam warlock and silver surfer but, but it's like you know they're not still in there so i guess maybe a piece of their soul remains in there i don't get how that works but then we see drax like human saxophone playing drax so i don't know uh immortal thor 2 came out i i saw like a someone dude like a spoiler post about this so you know thor has gathered all of the yeah all new thor corpse where he gathered you know all the former mjolnir wielders including storm and apparently there's like a moment where they could all use the power of thor as long as they got the hammer back within a minute so it's like i think they were like all kind of sharing the power or something so it sounded sounded cool and the write-up is like makes me kind of want to read it but i haven't been reading the series so maybe maybe I should be. Then we have Gang War Luke Cage issue two. So it's so if you look at the cover, you see you know Luke Cage got a costume because in New York when Kingpin was a mayor, he managed to pass a law because he he tacked on some other uh, bills or other things with it that were like good for the city or the underprivileged or whatever, but one of the things attached to it was an anti-vigilante, you know, law. So it passed, so this means, so so ridiculous, this means that vigilantes are illegal. You can't be a, a vigilante in New York. Uh, and, and so with all these gangs, or gangs, with all the, the mob bosses fighting for control over New York, it's it's just it's ridiculous and police are, are overwhelmed and you know not only do you have all these different uh gangs and their enforcers or whatever but some of them are like super powered people and it's just it's just chaos so you know they're they're trying to stop all this but luke cage as a mayor you know there's not much he can do so he, last issue he he got a costume made and he, he has a mask but he doesn't even get a whole mask. So it's like his his bald head is sticking out the top. And I think there was someone that when they saw him, they didn't know who he was. But Jessica Jones recognizes him right away. And so I, I always wonder about that. It's like, you know, would you know, would you do these masks work or not? And, it, you know, it's always like the domino mask just seems like so ridiculous that you would recognize him right away. And I also thought about it like during the COVID time when we were all wearing masks and it's like, you know, someone's wearing a mask, so like, you know who they are, you can tell. So it's like these, like the idea of the masks don't really work. So I, I don't know. But anyways, he, he's, he's out trying to st stop some of the stuff and, and they end up going against uh, one of the Alistair Smith, is that his name? Uh, the son, the spider slayer dude. And he's, he's another he, like wiener of a character. You know, he's, He's been ridiculous, you know, trying to make all these these spider slayers, you know, get revenge against Spider-Man. So he he's got these robots basically, and they're kind of upgraded. He's like, oh, they're they're more than just spider slayers, and he's designing all this. And it's like, first of all, it's like, where is he getting the money to make all these? And and it goes to the, the old uh, kind of thinking where you have these you know super geniuses making all this stuff just so they can like rob a bank or do, do some like petty little crime where it's like if they patented that and they sold it, you know, they would 
you know, make so much money, they wouldn't have to resort to crime or whatever. So now maybe with Alistair Smith, I think that's his name, right? Except, or is it Alistair Smith Jr.? What was his dad's name? I don't know, I remember. Maybe this isn't Alistair. But if he's trying to get revenge because his dad died because he went to jail and, died, you know, all that. But it just always seems, seems silly. And we see again in here where, like, Luke in his costume saves some officers and and you know with a cloak and dagger and uh danny rand and then as soon as they do it they're they like pull one of the officers pulls a guns gun on luke and he's like you're under arrest and everything and he's like i just saved you so it's just so so ridiculous um then we had gang war miles morales spider-man so this is within the actual ongoing miles morales this is issue 13 and there's there's kind of a, a lot going on here because you know, it starts off with like Miles. So he's been talking like a therapist or something, and he's uh, he 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 mentions his little outburst with against Peter against Spider Man, and how he's mad at him because he ghosted him for months or whatever, and then he comes in and acting like everything's fine, you know, and he really needed him and all that. But I don't think he ever really wonders like why why would Peter do that. You know, maybe he was going through a whole lot. You know, there, there's a reason why he ghosted all of his friends and, you know, everyone started hating him and he was doing all these ridiculous things. He was trying to save Mary Jane and, you know, that was the, the main thing. And, and he was just, he, his hands were tied. But it's just for all the sacrifices that he makes and Miles is aware of that and then he's just like such a jerk about it. And so, so I don't, I'm just, just the, the way Miles has been written lately and throw in the fact that he's got this ridiculous venom sword. Yeah, yeah. So he's just got this attitude, and what maybe you know, chalk it up like, oh, he's young, you know, he, whatever. I mean, he doesn't really know better. That's how. That's realistically, that's how you know he would react. Of course, he's not going to think about the bigger picture, but it's just kind of ridiculous. Then you know, he not, he's like training with Misty Knight. So it's it's weird. He's 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 like it's what's well, a good thing you know it got Misty here that I can count on her. And, you know, Misty Knight's cool and all, you know, Misty Knight and Colleen, you know, I, I've always enjoyed her when they pop up in her appearances, but it, it's weird somehow, I don't know how Misty got elevated to such like a high position where she's like, you know, cause she's, she's done, she's like moved up in the ranks where it's like, what kind of like training did she get, you know, cause she like shield level stuff and you know, it feels like that there's just a lot going on where she just really got pushed higher, like as far as like her abilities and just everything. And then there's like a ridiculous moment where finding this big giant thing, whatever. And, and, you know, she comes driving in her, it's like her, her, she's got a special arm, you know, her mechanical arm. And sometimes it's weaponized depending on who's riding and what's going on. But then she's like driving in a car, like hanging, you know, out the window, like shooting. And it's like, I don't think with all the, the chaos and everything that's in this battle going on in the streets that she would be able to even drive through the streets. But then that's just like her way of getting around. And so, I, I don't know. I just, I, I miss the, the old days of Miles Morales. Then um, I miss the old days of Moon Knight because we have uh, Moon Knight issue 30, the last days of Moon Knight. And um, I guess this is the last issue of this volume, of course. And, um, yeah, I, I, I didn't like the ending. 
so you can kind of maybe figure out what because you know that's the whole thing if this is the last days of moon Knight, it's like what are they gonna do are they gonna kill him it was like why would they kill him you know i i feel like this volume with jed mckay writing you know people have been loving it you know the old school fans seem to really be digging it and everything and and there's been you know a lot of hype and people talk and then what well, you're just going to end it we are getting i mean it, it's not i don't think it's a really spoiler i mean you got the titles of course okay yeah he died it, it's it's so stupid and you know because khan shu's like i can't i can't save you now because he's still locked up in asgard or whatever and then there's this other moon knight series like the midnight mission you know they're going to continue in his name and i think it it, it the last page or the, the preview thing said that there's someone else dressing as moon knight and they're like who's this new moon knight which is like don't give me new moon knight it's like i don't need that it's like no forget that screw that so i'm not happy as as a long as a hardcore moon knight fan i i do not i do i do not like that i don't approve then we have this uh, new Punisher, Punisher number two. The man is different. The mission remains the same. And I'm, I, I'm surprisingly uh, interested in where this is going. So this dude, you know, he, the way it all started is, is his family was attacked. His wife, I think his daughter, I think he had one kid, or, or maybe there's more than one. They were killed. He was the only one that managed to survive. So he's trying to figure out what, what's going on, like who targeted him. And it turns out, you know, he used to be a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent. So, you know, it could be something like that, something from his past coming out. And he's just going out and just doing whatever he needs to do to, to fight them. He's been dubbed as a Punisher because the armor he's wearing, it kind of looks like a skull like that. But, you know, he's, he's not trying to make himself into the Punisher. And then <laughs> one of the things that started bothering me in this issue, we're introduced to this guy called The Offer. And he's this like uber rich business guy where he arranges all these things and you know buys and sells stuff and is it's just it's like your typical you know a super powerful you know financially power villain who is like unstoppable because he's got so much power and he can like order whatever around and do this, but of course this new Punisher dude gets access to him, and you know he because he's basically oh, and he has a. A group of uh, he has some and some enforcers, some powered enforcers that to give this Punisher a run for his money. But real, what it comes down to is the Punisher wants to talk to the offer to figure out you know who targeted him, you know who who's responsible for for killing his family, and uh, it's not what he would have expected. I'll just just say that. And I I do like that. Um, David Pepos uh, put in that little twist it kind of shakes things up a little bit so it's like huh, okay then we have a Spider-Gwen smash uh, and I haven't been thrilled with these Spider-Girl or Spider-Gwen uh, series it's, it's, it's like they've I feel like they've been lacking a little bit they've been okay uh, this one, this one was wasn't too bad. I, I'm really curious where this is going to go. So this is by Melissa Flores and Enid Balam. So we we see Gwen, you know, she's in in the Mary Janes, the band, and and you know, trying to do her things. And it it's still MJ is just always so angry about her not being fully committed to the band, which makes sense. But you would think she would understand that she has the responsibility as as spider woman or spider ghost spider or whatever you, you want to call her 
and they're at a gig and this this woman comes up because you know she's on her social media things and she wants to make a new nemesis so she goes after them and i'm not sure if she was going after mj or gwen because i think gwen's identity she doesn't have an, a, a secret identity and so gwen has to go spider up you know get in the costume and, and fight off this this costume crazy woman and and mj kind of gets mad at her because oh oh you got a little webbing on you while she's saving your life type of thing they end up they end up getting a, a an offer to go on tour with dazzler so it was interesting we, we see that it's like okay this is an alternate earth and it turns out that dazzler isn't like a publicly known mutant here is she even a mutant is is a question so she has her has her her own band with uh lila shenny is in the band and she's either like the guitarist bassist or drummer like whatever you need so it's weird that, that lila's not in the spotlight rick jones i think is a bassist maybe he was a guitarist and uh so i was like that that's interesting so they get uh like like a four four show gig you know opening up for them and you know, MJ's like, you know, are are you like in the band? Can you do this without you know being Ghost Spider or not? And of course, things are going to get shaken up. But there's there's a little more to it than that, which I thought was kind of interesting. Then um, we had the White Widow, and I really want to like this series, but I'm, I'm having some some difficulty with it. This is by Sarah Gailey and. Alessandro Miracolo. So uh, Yelena is trying to. I, I feel like you know she's she's trying out like the normal life. You know she's living in this uh, like apartment house or whatever with, with like some other people. They don't know like her story and you know like the whole thing. There's it opens up where she's like in a farmer's market and you know she's uh, you know, checking that out and you know trying to do that and. She, and it, a lot of this is like new experiences for her, you know, living a normal civilian life and seeing the different things there. But then there's some other stuff going on, like some other people. There's this organization, and you know, they kind of cross paths, and and that. So you know, of course, she's gonna have to step up and use her abilities, and it's just, mm, I, I don't know. It just it. it it's I, I can't describe what what why it didn't work so much but and and the weird thing about yelena is i feel like sometimes she feels more like mcu florence Pugh, yelena and other times it's, it's like it falls back to because i feel like marvel universe marvel comics yelena is a lot older is a lot more experienced than florence Pugh. oh you know yelena and I, I, I get why they're, they might be trying to make her more like Florence Pugh version because that's what people maybe reading now are, are more familiar with versus people who may have been read. Say that, that just doesn't make sense because pretty much people reading comics are people who have been reading for a long time. You're not going to, that's a whole other discussion. But I don't know. It's just, it just, I didn't love it. Um, over at DC. Uh, so we have more uh we have titans uh beast world number two i haven't read that i don't know how that is if 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 i should be reading that or not there's action comics 1060 and 
uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not super crazy uh, about that. Um, let see. We have Superman Lost, Issue 9. I haven't been reading that. I'm, I'm really curious, and I'm, I may go back and read that at, at some point because um, it's just... It was just so weird in the beginning where, you know, he was lost. He was gone for so long. You know, what was the deal? What, what's happening? And the fact that it's still, you know, we're at issue nine. I thought it was just going to be like a four or five issue series. So now I'm really curious as to what, what's been happening. But I have no idea. There's another Titans Beast World, Beast World Tour Gotham. Uh, and, yeah, I don't know about that. Batman and Robin issue four. So this is, it, it's, a, it's a fun book. It feels weird. It feels out of place because you know it's supposed to be in current continuity, but it it's it also it doesn't feel like it's current continuity. You know, that's just the fact that we have Batman and Damien, you know, fighting together. And I, I just feel like I I I don't feel like Damien would be willing to do that because you know he's he's set off on his his own, and just the way sometimes they interact seems to. You know, it's like you know, bragging rights as to who 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 catches her, and it's like, oh, you're on son, and and you know they go after the villain, and it's just it, I don't know, it's a little little too tongue in cheek. It seems weird, and um, there there was a interesting moment with a, like a flashback with Damien training, and you know one of his teachers, you know back when he was in the, the with his mom in the League of Assassins, and then something happens to that teacher, and that's going to play into what's happening now so I'm, I'm i'm curious to see where that's gonna go but we still have um we have that character shush <laughs> which when i see that just it cracks me up uh green lantern issue six so we're, we're seeing that there's just something going on with like hal jordan's ring and you know he, he's like feeling like how it's even more and more like there's so much power and energy there and he's fighting against sinestro and sinestro's he, you know, he's fighting with the rage, you know, with the red lantern ring and somehow, you know, the power of that. And as, as they're fighting, you know, going about all over the place, Hal's like, wait, we shouldn't be able to do this. There's something going, there's something wrong with emotional spectrum. And he's trying to get Sinestro to stop. Sinestro just wants to go back to Kurgar or whatever his planet. So, cause something happened and, you know, it's like, wait, what, what is going on here? And we're going to find out like what happened there. Like why, isn't Sinestro there? Why was he like kicked out or booted out or banished or whatever? And he wants to go back. And Hal's actually kind of concerned, like, okay, this is not going to be good when he gets there because, like, you know, he's going to unleash on, on all these whatever people. So, you know, we have all that stuff going on. We find something out about Kilowog, which, because, you know, Kilowog has just been hanging out at, at like Hal's camper. You know, Hal's doing all this stuff, and, like, I mean, maybe it's it's like, well, there, there's no other rings because of the United Nation of Planets and, and all that. But Kellogg's just, like, hanging out, like, just cooking beans and by fire, whatever. But we, we find out something about Kellogg, which is, like, okay, maybe we'll get a flashback story about that as well. So, I don't know. Uh, World's Finest Teen Titans. Uh, so this is Mark Wade and um, I forget who... Uh, uh, there's someone else drew it. It wasn't um, Chris Somney in this issue. But this has just been a, a fun series. And I, I think this was the last issue. And, you know, hopefully we'll, we'll get more. You know, Mark Way's just been doing like a really good job with, you know, World's Finest and with, with this. And, you know, he's he's capturing like the like the old school feel. 
and it's just it's just really good. I mean, Mark Mark Wade is such a good writer, and, and I I don't know if people still appreciate that and know that because I I feel like at some point there's like people like on the I don't like Mark Wade bandwagon, which is just ridiculous because he's always been good. So I, it's just he's really captured that era and the the vibe of you know these younger version of of the of the Teen Titans and you know one of the things going on where you know Robin's trying to lead them you know this is early in their whatever organization but it's like no one knew his secret identity and and you know they're 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 kind of like angry with him they understand why he can't because you know Batman is is like so strict and absolutely for, forbids him from revealing his identity and that's getting to be a problem so. Um, spoiler last issue he's like okay i'm gonna i'm gonna tell them and that's not you know what's batman gonna think about that so he's not gonna be happy um speaking of batman there's like so much batman stuff i did not read there's batman gargoyle of gotham there's detective comics 1070 some at some point i'll start reading detective comics again um there's batman santa claus silent night which i'm I, i'm just i can't do the, the holiday themed issues um, Danger Street issue 12 came out so I, I thought Danger Street was over so I need to get caught up I, I thought it was over because I thought the trade came out but maybe I, I don't understand but issue 12 so I'm, I'm curious where that story is going what's happening um, Outsiders issue 2 is out and I started reading this um, I, I, I like Batwoman I like Luke Fox but I don't I don't know I have like no interest in this drummer character because you know we don't know anything about her like i don't even know what she does and so it's just the three of them the three of them are the outsiders and you know so luke fox is trying he's like we're gonna work and do our own thing we're not doing this you know under batman's banner and you know we can do what needs to be done and, and do it our way and our methods and all that so they start going out investigating something and then they get stopped by the challengers of the unknown and I don't know how I feel about them. You know, there's been some interesting stories with them, but then there's been some that have been kind of not, you know, they're, they're some pretty pretty you know forgettable stories. So they come in and they're all uh, okay. You know, you guys have reached a restricted area. You can just turn around, and then they they start like challenging them, and and it's just yeah. And, and then you know, so there's they why are they there? What what are they hiding? What's going on? And I just. I wasn't overly impressed and I just I, I just I just want to read a really cool comic with Batwoman and this isn't quite it but maybe it'll get there um, Wesley Dodd's a Sandman I started reading this I didn't have time to finish it and I just really have been enjoying this it's a uh, you know it's 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 been pretty pretty cool and I it's it's weird. I can't quite pinpoint what it is about it. There, there's something about it, and I don't, I don't think it's a nostalgia thing from reading Sandman Mystery Theater, because you know whenever I I've seen other like Justice Society, because with Sandman Mystery Theater there was no JSA angle or hook. I don't even know if they mentioned that because maybe it was before that happened. But when I was reading that, you know, at such a young age, I was like, I didn't know my Justice Society history. I had no idea he was even involved with that i mean i think i, I could be wrong and it, it, those are just really cool stories and you know they're a little more mature you know what they weren't all like flashy and you know or anything like that there's no like other superhero type things it was they're just like just interesting stories and whenever i've seen 
the Sandman and JSA stories, it almost feels like he doesn't have a whole lot to do because you know maybe there's just too many other powered people and you know it he just gets overshadowed. But this has been been cool as well as to like you know what what's happening here and you know with his like his place was robbed and you know his journal stolen and uh, just it's it, it, some really cool things. So I, I highly recommend this it, you know if you want to try something a little different. Oh, then there is <laughs> there is Speed Force number two. I I I started reading this. I I couldn't finish, and uh, yeah. So uh, yeah, that was it. Oh, I just realized. Um, I'm looking at at the list uh, on Amazon. Waller versus Wildstorm issue four came out. I did not read that. I didn't even notice that. I think maybe it's because of the cover. The cover it looks cool. What I'm seeing here, it, it kind of looks like like a pulp book, the way it is, and and so maybe that's why I just missed it. Um, I also didn't read Batman four twenty eight. Robin lives. So as you may be aware, you're probably aware that, you know, when they did the whole Jason Todd, you know, is you know, dial and vote, is Robin going to live, is he going to die? They kind of had both set up, like, you know, both outcomes written. And, you know, we have seen the image where Batman is holding a, you know, bloody, battered, jason todd body he's got this weird smile on his face he's like he's alive or he survived or something like that so i believe i i didn't read this i believe that this is supposed to be like that issue so i don't know if they ever finished that issue i don't know you know they, they must have had it both of them done and and you know because it was all about this phone call and and then they you know would send it to the printer so maybe they just never finished it. I, I, I don't know. Maybe you know, they only did some of it. And then once the vote came in, they're like, okay, we don't need this issue. And then they decided like, well, let's go ahead and put this out. So it's it's weird that they never did it before. Because I would think, you know, the, the, of course there's going to be the curiosity. I, I thought they never, they only did like a few pages and then that was it. So um, I, I, I should, I do need to read that. And then that's, um that's pretty much it. I read there was, there's a, Another Batman City of Madness number two. There's a Birds of Prey. What's that? Birds of Prey number one uncovered. Oh, I think that's just. Wait, what is it? Kelly Thompson. Is that just the first issue, like director's cut? And then there's a Twas the Might Before Christmas. No, thank you. <laughs> but so yeah, that that's it. So that's gonna be comics for the week. All right then, Scott Pilgrim takes off. <laughs> So season one, episode six, who did it? And uh, I'm I'm resisting the urge to say how how much I'm enjoying this because of the the different direction. So here we are, sixth episode. There's no Scott Pilgrim because what happens in the first episode? Scott Pilgrim gets killed. Maybe, apparently, or maybe he didn't. And and that's what what this is about is Ramona's you know Ramona Flowers is trying to figure out what happened to Scott Pilgrim. So it's it's just so bizarre that this is a scott pilgrim show and scott pilgrim's not not in this and i'm i'm okay with that uh i i did enjoy this episode and i don't know there, there could be a reason let's just get to it so it starts off at first i'm like wait what's going on there's kind of like this um you see this like sort of like anime schoolgirl running and you're speaking in japanese and you know this subtitle or yeah she's like she's gonna be late she runs into this guy and then he he 
kind of like insults her or something like that. So like, I'm like, what's going on? What is this? But then it's Gideon. He's lying on a couch watching this. He's like eating chips and stuff. He's all, all dis- disheveled. He's got like chips in his hair and stuff like that. The phone rings and he's like, go for Goose. And then who's calling him? So this might be why I like this episode so much. It's Lucas Lee. He's like, I'm looking for Graves, Gideon. Who the hell is Goose? And then Gideon, he's like, you've reached an adult formerly known as Gideon Graves. It's Goose now, Gordon Goose. And then Luke's like, that's cool. He's like, my name isn't Lucas. Actually, it's Luke. And Gideon's like, that's not even remotely the same thing. He's like, never mind. He's like, what can I do for you? He's like, well, here's how I see it, Goose. I've lost everything. You've lost everything. I thought maybe you'd have some words of advice. I know I left you in a lurch after Matthew, but if you could find in your heart to forgive me, I... And he's like, forgiveness, is that what you want? Well, I had something entirely different in mind. And it cuts to him opening a door with like this menacing look. So it's like, what's he up to? Luke is standing in the doorway, and then Goose is like, friendship. So that's what he had in mind. So we see this like kind of like montage with Lucas and Goose. Uh, the vampire weekend music's playing, you know, so it's like very upbeat. And then, you know, they're playing video games and they start, they're doing paintball in the house. They're in, because they're in Julie's house. They're playing Twister, they're playing with a pinata. Then they're like spinning balls on their, on their fingers, um, playing rock band or something like that, sliding down the stairs. They're like hopping across furniture, doing stuff. Then they're baking treats. They go to the hardware store. They build like a, a skate park, like a skate ramp in the, in the living room. And, and then they're watching that love story anime, or whatever. And then Julie comes in. She, you know, she comes home and she's like outraged. And Ramona's with her, and she's like, "I was gone for ninety minutes." She's like, "What did you do to my house?" And 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 then she's like, "And what's with that robot?" And Lucas like, "What robot?" And then you see the robot that we've been seeing, you know, throughout you know the the, the series. He's like crouching in a corner, like under a lampshade. Then it gets up and does like the slow run to the window and just like jumps out, like smashes like through the window, jumps out. Then it cuts to earlier that morning. Ramona, what she do? She just dyes her hair every episode. So it's kind of like a a turquoise ish, you know, on top and like navy blue uh, on on the bottom. Then she looks at her list and the only names left are Gideon and it's like says Goose and Julie with a question mark. So she blades over to Julie's and she um, she tells you know she answers Julie answers her. She's like, I'll make this brief. And Goose apparently heard her blades and he asked Julie, he's like, it's like, ask her if she wants to come in and and you know, kick it, whatever, and watch TV and eat chips. And she's like, Oh, we're out of chips. We need chips. And so Ramona's like, So you and Gideon now? And she, Julie's like, Me and Gideon? No. It's like, that's Gordon. Gordon Goose. And Ramona's like, you're saying the guy eating chips on your couch is not the former all-powerful gazillionaire I used to date? So Julie's like, ah. she's like, this info dump was inevitable. So she grabs her jacket and she's like, be back in a bit, baby. But she like kind of yells it. So then we see uh, Knives and Steven. They're singing and playing like she's on a piano. And uh, they're writing a song about bread. Whatever. Kim and young Neil are, are on a sofa. Young Neil's playing like a handheld video game. Then Kim's asked Knives, she's like, uh, when did you start playing piano? And she's like, more or less than four hours ago. And Knives is like, oh, slightly more. And Kim also asked, she's like, and uh, how'd you get the CEO of G-Man Media to bankroll your project? And Knives is like, oh, well, that was my idea. Mr. Patel had the capital, but he, you know, he was also an aspiring Broadway theater obsessive. I read an interview on him in, in Forbes. So he flew us to New York City for a pitch meeting in his secret lair. It's like, I knew exactly what to say. 
So then we see a, a flashback to this meeting, and uh, they're like, you know, an off-Broadway musical, and she's like, and who better to play the lead than you? And he's like, me? The main character? <gasps> and he's like, not a lot of people know this, but I majored in theater in college. In fact, I briefly starred in my own one-man show. And Knives gasped, and she's like, I had no clue. She's like, did anyone get it on video? And he, like, snaps his fingers, and then the lights go dim, and then we see, like, him singing on a screen. It's, it seems very cheesy, whatever. And and she's like, wow, impressive. And then uh, it's like Stephen, I have pause for it, and he, like, says something, too, because they're trying to butter him up. And then he's like, I've made my decision. Scott Pilgrim's precious little musical is a go project. In the present, they try talking to young Neil, who's still, like, playing on this handheld video game thing. And, you know, Stephen says, he's like, you know, hope you know how much we value your opinion. You know, we're, you're adapting your work after all. I know you're bummed that your movie is dead, but this is fun too, right? And he's like, huh? He's like, oh, I don't I don't care about the movie shutting down. It, it didn't mean anything to me. I mean, I miss having my own golf cart. <laughs> and there's like a little like image of his him riding on it. And there, Stephen's like, it didn't mean anything to you? He's like, from one creative to another, I can't believe you're saying this. All my songs are like children to me. And young Neil's like, uh, I guess the thing about it is, I don't even remember writing it. And they're all like, <laughs> they all go, uh. And Kim asks you, like, do you mind ex explaining that in a way, in, in any way, shape, or form? And he's like, well, I dreamed I saw my sleep paralysis demon at my computer. Then I woke up the next day. There it was, a completed script with my name on it. Steven says, like, uh. And he's like, and you're sure it was a sleep paralysis demon? And he's like, what else would it be? Kim's like, uh, the person who actually wrote your script. And he's like, oh. So I'm assuming, I could be wrong, I'm assuming uh, that it's uh, Scott Pilgrim that, that wrote it. You know, because we only saw, like, his demon was like kind of like a cloaked form. But if Scott wrote it, how? how you know, where is he at? Is, is he kidnapped now or is he not kidnapped? Is he just walking around and hiding? So they all go to his room. They sit at his his computer, and you know, knives point something out, and then Kim and, and Stephen gasp. And Kim's like, "We have to tell Ramona about this." And knives like, "Oh, is she involved?" And they're like, "She's the one who's been searching for Scott this whole time. You know, you two moved on with your lives, but she's been you know skating all over town, asking a lot of stupid people some smart question." And knives like, "Oh, I didn't know that." And Stephen's like, "You know, can't you let bygones be by bygones?" You're all cool on a movie set. And I was like, well, that was business. This is emotional business. And then they, they start singing and Stephen plays guitar. And Kim's like, okay, enough with the songwriting. Because you know, they start doing a song about that. And then I was like, all right, like, let's let's go talk to Ramona. So then we, we see that at the first cup, coffee shop, Ramona and Julie are sitting. Ramona passes over a notebook. And then Julie reacts when she sees Gideon and Julie. And she's like, please, Gordon would never. And Ramona's like, can you please explain this whole Gordon Goose thing? So Julie's like, well, when I was in high school in North Bay, Ontario, Gordon Goose was the weirdest kid in my year. His glasses were too big, his clothes fit funny, even his hair looked wrong. Everyone called him fearless because he wore those no fear t-shirts every day. I guess he started taking that name a little too seriously. One day out of nowhere, he presents the most popular girl in school with a 12-point business plan as to why she should date him. And the girl, so we see her, she takes a proposal, kind of flips through the pages, and it's like a, like almost like a hardcover like notebook, and she like holds it out and just drops it on the floor. And and he's like shocked, and all the boys around, people in the hall, they start laughing. 
So Julie continued. She's like, the whole school is watching. He, he moved away after that, but I never forgot about him. You know, I had no idea getting Graves was a dorky kid from my past until I turned up on my doorstep. You know, Matthew Patel took everything he had, and Gordon Goose was left behind. Everyone was like, and that's working for you? And she's like, well, you know, we understand each other. Everyone was like, when I was with him, Gideon, uh, Gordon, was a, a, she says, a twitch, twit, a, you know, rage-filled, impulsive, emotionally abusive, controlling, manipulative, egomaniac. But if he makes you happy, that's good, I guess. And Julia's like, well, it's, it's not good. It bleeps and sucks. You know, when, when Gordon showed up, he was power hungry. He wanted revenge. And, you know, he would have done anything to get his empire back. You know, ambition is hot. But after a few days, it's like the evil drained out. Now he just sits on a couch watching anime all day. Everyone was like, what if it's an act? You know, the Gideon I knew was a plotter. You know, the whole League of Evil exes thing, it could have been a smokescreen for an ultra-secret kidnapping plot. You know, maybe none of the other exes were in on it. You know, maybe that was all, you know, G-Man, which they shouldn't be using that name. Or maybe it was the two of you who were in it together. Julie's like, look, I wish that that was the case. I wish that we were up to something, some exciting villain in the business. You know, that would spice things up around the house. But he's just a loser. Like, trust me. So you can take him or us off your list. Ramona crosses both their names off. And Julie's like, you should come over and, and say, hey, I, th I think Gordon wants to apologize for creating the league and all that. And Ramona's like, ugh. He's like, do I have to? Then behind the counter... We see Stacy's on the phone, so because they they so they, they get up and leave the coffee shop. So Stacy's like, "Hey, so his real name is is Gordon Goose, and he's living here in the neighborhood, and he's dating some girl who works at a coffee shop. Can you believe that crap?" And it turns out she's talking to Wallace. He's like, "I love that crap. I'm obsessed with that crap." And then Julie and Ram Ramona return, and Julia like, leans over the counter. She looks down. She's like, "Stacy, were you eavesdropping?" And she's like, "Well, you shouldn't be here on your day off." It's like, "No, uh, it's like like scoot." You know, scoot on out of here. So they arrive at Julie's, and she looks at the house, and she's like, is that a hole in my roof? And you can see, like, paint on the windows from, the, you know, the, the, the paint gun. She, uh, the paintball. She enters, she, and then she's, what we saw before, I was gone for 90 bleep minutes. It's like, what did you do to my house? And what's with the robot? And, and like, what robot? And there's a crash. And Ramon's like, uh, where have I seen that robot? Julie says that, you know, she wants some answers. And Luke is like, it was me. It was Goose. And he's like, what? He's like, Goose don't skate. He's like, why would I build a skate ramp in the middle of Julie's lovely home? So Luke is like, she seems pissed. Does this mean I can't live here? So, so Julie's like, live here? She's like, what? He's like, I don't care which of you did it. You're both going to pay. And then they like gulp and they're like, like cowering. The announcers, Julie Powers versus Lucas Lee and Gordon Goose. Fight. So Julie starts like, rah! starts charging towards them and you know they're like cowering on, on, on her knees on the floor Ramona jumps in she's like stop stop it's like this is stupid and Julie stops and the two two dudes are still on their knees so Ramona's like let's all be adults for once okay she's like Julie what are you doing and she's like I don't, I don't know I guess I, I got caught up in the moment and Ramona's like Lucas you can't live here that's ridiculous find your own place well I, I'm flat broke I can't even afford a first class ticket back to LA and the only work I can get is voicing an animated series Lucas Lee is live, action, or nothing. Everyone was like, you might need to open up your mind to other opportunities. And you, she's like, to Gideon, she's like, stop being a loser and treat Julie better than you treated me. And she's like, hey, that robot with a lampshade on his head, where have I seen it before? So Lucas is like, during the movie shoot, he was spying on me in my trailer. And she's like, no, not, not there, somewhere else. And he's like, well, you know who made him, right? That's your special little guy right there, the twins. 
and her Ramona gas snaps her finger. And she's like, I gotta go. And she blazes away through a dream door, like outside. And Luke is like, I guess she's got better things to do. And so he has his two bags. He's like, well, it's been real. Julie's like, yeah, come by the coffee shop sometime. He's like, free coffee? She's like, no bleep way. He's like, but if you ever want a job, we're hiring. He's like, whatever. <laughs> and he's like, Gordon. And he's like, my man. They do like a bro handshake. Lucas rides away in his, his skateboard. So then Gideon, or Goose, is like, Jules, he's like, do you think I'm a loser? And she's like, I don't know, Gordon. Sometimes, I guess. He's like, well, what if I said that while it seemed like I wasn't doing anything and was storing a pity party, I was actually planning an elaborate plan, a plan in which I would get revenge on the one who took everything from me, a plan that would turn Matthew Patel into dust. What would you say if I was planning on a plan like that? And she's like, uh, what would I say? I'd say that's hot. So then he grabs her by the waist and like brings her close and she like caresses his face. And she's like, now clean my bleeping house, Gordon. He's like, right away. Ramona skates home. And then uh, Knives, Stephen, uh, Kim, and young Neil are there. And she's like, what are you all doing here? Knives like, we have information about your case, your Scott case. Stephen's like, uh, none of us had your phone number. So Ramona goes, she unlocks the door and she turns and she's like, what if I told you I cracked the case wide open? Would any of you want to hear what I figured out? And they're all, huh. So they all sit, they stand in her kitchen, or, or in some, you know, sitting. Young Neil's like, this is my favorite part of every, who did it? The part where you find out who did it. Kim's like, it's who done it. And he's like, well, if anything, it'd be who's done it. I would know. I used to be a writer. So Ramona comes in. She's like, okay, as you all know, Scott was taken from the scene of the rocket by someone who faked his death. I've been trying to figure out who did it, why they did it, and how they did it. And now I know all three. And all, everyone's like, ooh. So Ramona's like, let's start with the who. By now, most of you know about my past. I've dated a lot of people who were suspect. And, and young Neil's like, that's a similar word to suspects. And I was like, wow. So Ramona's like, five exes have been eliminated from the list. Matthew Patel, Roxy Richter, Lucas Lee, Todd Ingram, and Gideon Graves, uh, Gordon Goose. Not, not that that matters. Steven starts counting on his hands. He's like, okay, so seven X's, five eliminated. That leaves, and she's like, two. The twins, Ken and Kyle Katayanagi, they were my TAs in Robotics 101. Ken is 30 seconds older. Kyle's the hothead, and that leads to the Y. They have the motivation. It was my second semester of college. I didn't know what I was doing. I was a kid. But to the twins, I was fresh meat. There were a couple of players, and they wouldn't leave me alone. So maybe uh, I got a little bit of satisfaction when they figured out that I was pl you know, playing them right back. See, I was dating both of them at the same time. And they're like, damn, Ramona. And uh, Knives like, sounds familiar. And Ramona's like, familiar to... And she's like, someone seeing someone and also seeing another someone and neither of the someones are aware of the other someones. And, and then I think young Neil's like, can we get back to the who did it? So Ramona's like, right. The how is a vegan portal created by vegan powers, but this portal far exceeded the power level of my only vegan ex. And that made me realize what's more powerful than a human vegan? They're like, uh, like two human vegans. She's like, no, a robot vegan. And they're all like, <gasps> they all gasp. 
a robot that's never eaten meat, a robot that's never had any dairy, a vegan without the inherent flaws of humanity, a vegan created by the twins. So she said, sound like a TV, like VCR remote, you know, like from her bag. She's like, I remembered where I saw that robot before. She pops in a videotape. It was at the rocket just before the sex bomb went on stage. And she gets ready to pause it with remote. She's like, see, right there, right before Scott disappeared. So you see like the fight moment with Patel. Scott runs is running towards him. The robot is like up on the balcony, raises his hand as they're about to hit each other. And she's like, there you have it, the who, the why, and the how. Ken and Kyle, Kata Yanagi, the twins I spurned in college, kidnapped Scott Pilgrim by using the robot's unique capabilities to create the most powerful vegan portal of all time. It's simple, really. And they all say, wow. Um, but then uh, someone's like, but, you know, maybe I missed something about, you know, what about the the where, where is he? I think Kim said that. And she's like, well, no, soon enough. When I find the twins, I find Scott. So they get ready to leave. Kim's like, so you're about to be reunited with that one guy you went on one date with one time, eh? And she's like, looks that way. So Kim's like, are you excited? And she's like, that's a pretty big question. Steven says, like, did we come here for a reason? And Kim's like, oh, yeah, right. And he's like, you know, we came here with information about your Scott case. Well, and young Neil actually, and Steve's like, young Neil didn't write the script. And Rowan's like, then who did? And they're like, we don't know. We didn't figure out the who, the why, or the how, but we did figure out the when. According to the file data, that script was written 14 years from now. And then she gasped. So he's like, how's that possible? So the doorbell rings. Ramon opens the door, and everyone gasps. So it's pure white outside. Then to zoom in on the white, we see Scott Pilgrim. And he's like, hey. Roman is like, Scott, where have you been? Was it the twins? The robot? The vegan portal? Are you okay? He's like, I'm okay. And yes, it was the twins and the robot and the vegan portal. But someone else was behind the whole thing. Roman is like, someone else? Who? And he's like, it was me. I did it. They all stare and nice faints. So Scott... He had himself kidnapped by the twins. I was like, what? What? What does that mean? Yeah, <laughs> that, that, that's that's why this show is just—it's so crazy. It's it's just so so unexpected. Uh, I'm just enjoying it. Okay, then, Monarch: Legacy of Monsters, season one, episode four: Parallels and Interiors. So I'm I'm still I'm really enjoying the show. I wish I was caught up, and uh, I I I don't know. I I saw some people. I, th- I saw there was like, uh, I think it was one of the writers or directors or someone w- was commenting on the fact that apparently people are complaining about the characters, that the characters aren't really likable or something like that. I, I'm not really getting that impression. I mean, I'm, I'm not super crazy about them, but I don't find them like unlikable. I mean, I, I think they're just, uh, I, I think they're, they're doing a good job, you know, with, with for the most part of like, you know, who, who they are and like what's going on. So anyways, with uh, the fourth episode, it starts off in Utah, 2015. There's like this trailer, you know, little little, little camping RV trailer, whatever. In the middle of, of nowhere, there's this lady like, sitting out, like kind of enjoying the sun. You see like this radar dish and there's like equipment that she hears something. So she goes inside, she checks out this like box, like old equipment in, in a trailer. She finds some device beeping and there's like lights pu- like pulsing on it. So she plugs it in. Then she calls on a, on a sat phone, satellite phone. Um, so her name is Barnes something. I forget her first name. Um, she says that, you know, she's getting really weird we- reading 
And, and then she has to, they're like, who is this? She's like, Barnes. And she's like, this is Outpost 47. And she's like, I need to speak to uh, Assistant Director Verdugo. So then it goes to Alaska. Uh, and then that giant critter, he's like pounding on a plane. Uh, Kate sees that Duho is frozen on, on the ground. So he must have gone flying from the, from the cockpit. Shaw yells, she's like, duck. You know, the beast flings like a piece of the wing. It flies right over their heads. Kentaro's like standing and the beast like turns to him. The others yell at him. They're like, run. But Kentaro's like, now he's like lying on the ground. So he fell. He, he's like reaching for his flare gun. He shoots it. I, at first I was like, is he going to shoot the flare inside the, the monster's like mouth as it's roaring? But it flies up and it just kind of, you know, flizzles out. It's because it's just a flare gun. It's whatever. And then the beast like turns. But so I, I think Kentaro's like expecting something more. So he's like, oh. so he gets up and starts to run finally. And then the beast turns and starts following him. The others find, like, or actually, I think he ends up catching up with them because they, they all find this, like, frozen cavern to hide in. Oh, yeah, because then, yeah, Kentaro comes in, like, last, and Shaw kind of gives him a hard time. He's like, nice shooting, Tex. He's like, well, at, at least I tried. So then the, the creature's, like, walking above them because there's, like, some ice, and you can, at one part, you can, like, see them. The place is kind of, like, shaking, like, rumbling with each step. And then the, the ground kind of cracks a little bit. May's foot, like, kind of falls under, and there's, like, some ice water under it, and she, like, it's like instant pain because you know it must be so incredibly cold and you know she's trying not to scream because they don't want the the creature to, to hear because uh, it's you know it's like walking by A after it, like it leaves then she starts to scream and then she tells Kentaro she's like I'm gonna die of hypothermia because my leg is soaking wet she's like are you glad we came so yeah Maze Maze got a little annoying and you know it's like she didn't need to be there whatever you know yeah she the, they came and ransacked her apartment or whatever and, and she, maybe she didn't feel she had a choice but i don't know so then it cuts to a year earlier in tokyo kentaro kentaro's i guess he's showing off an art exhibit i don't know if we, we knew that he was an artist i don't think they really told us what what he did so there's like it's almost like these giant sculptures and there's like kind of these digital faces that just keep kind of like changing and pulsing whatever this lady what was her name was her name kimmy she's a she you know comes up to him she's like oh this is a bold statement and she's like why is it this you know why now he kind of hesitates and he's like oh, that's a complicated question and she says that you know you've had months to come up with an answer and he's like well art comes in a place you don't feel comfortable talking about so he's like you know to him it's just intuitive but she says you know she she respects the, his process but if buyers are going to going to plug down good money they want to know what they're getting and, you know, who they're getting. People don't buy art, and he finishes, they buy the artist. Which, I, I, I don't think that's necessarily um, the, the case. I, I think some people, yeah, I mean, some people are going to buy the artist, but some people might just look at it like, oh, this is a really cool piece. And, you know, it's, whatever. So she's like, okay, the door's open two hours. So you, you know, you have to think of an answer. You know, because, like, we both have a lot writing in this. Then his mom walks in and you know, she's reading like the little sign, Kentaro Ronda's assertive exploration of parallel and interiors, which is the name of the episode, invites the viewers to challenge their assumption about identity. She says that it's provocative. You know, everyone's going to love it. And she says like, you know, your dad's going to love it too. And or, or is, is loves it. And he's like, he hasn't even seen it. And she's like, oh, he will tonight. He's coming straight from the airport. So he tells her, you know, he's like, well, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to get some air before everyone arrives. So outside, you know, he's standing there and he, there's like a little poster of his, for his art show. So he takes out a phone, you know, his phone, he's going to take a picture of it. Well, right when he takes a picture, May walks by right when it's, you know, it snaps. And she kind of stops. She's like, 
did you just take my picture? He's like, uh, no. He's like, oh, I was taking one of my poster, you know, and you, you walk by like a, like a tourist, you know, gawking or whatever. You know, she reads the poster and, and she's in English. She's like, oh, it sounds pretentious. And he's like incredibly pretentious because, you know, she didn't know that he could speak English. So she, you know, they, they talk a little bit. She kind of like motions like, you know, about deleting the picture. She's like, okay. And he like does it. Then she continues walking. He's like, is there a reason you don't, you know, don't want your, your picture being taken? And he's like, uh, it's it's a it's a very you know nice picture, and she's like, are you hitting on me? He's like, just being honest, and she kind of nods, and then she's like, is this really you? He's like, yeah, and she's like, is there wine? He's like, it's cheap, bad, pretentious, and she laughs. He's like, do you like whiskey? And she's like, I like expensive whiskey. He's like, well, you're in luck. He's like, Japan has some very expensive whiskey, and she's like, cool. He's like, I know a place, and she's like, now. He's like, don't, don't you have a show? He's like, well, I'll make an entrance later. He's like, I'm Kitaro. She's like, I'm me. So that's how they first met. So then in the present or whatever, like, you know, a year later, Kitaro tells May to slow down. And she goes on about, you know, about losing a toe and telling him to hurry up. And Shaw says that, you know, he's right. You know, she needs to conserve her energy. And Kitaro says that if they, you know, they, you know, that he says that they need to get her her dry and Shaw's like it's like no even if there's anything out here to build a fire with we can't just sit still you know with that titan on a prowl so and they're like do you think it's still out there he's like hell if I know and and then May's like well what happened to your centuries of experience now huh and he's like it's a titan May it's like they're like snowflakes you never came across two that were the same and she's like, well, maybe there's some info in these precious files of yours. She's like, go to hell and take your life's work with you. And, you know, she kind of shoves the bag at him. And he's like, hey, it's like easy with these. He's like, now come on, May. This case, like, once the sun goes down, the temperature is going to drop by the minute. It's like, we've got no food, no shelter, no duho. She's like, you know, where the hell are we going to go? And Shaw's like, northwest, you know, head for the coast. Greater probability of running into people there. And Kentaro's like, I think I saw something from a plane some kind of structure looked like a big golf ball you know it had to be man-made like like a building or, or a settlement and you know he asked may and kate if if he, uh, shaw asked if either of them saw that and kate's like no but may did and she's like what no she's like you said you know you, you saw something I, I you know i didn't see anything and in japanese she's like or he, he he's kataro says you're taking their side is it because you're you're pissed at me and she's like no this has nothing to do with you she's like this is about me freezing to death he's like well I'm, I'm trying to save you will you just and then it cuts back to a year ago he's like trust me so they're going up some stairs he knocks on the door he's asked a password whatever they finally get inside so it turns out that at the bar you know the prison she's like you have your own whiskey so it's like the bottle has his name on it whatever and she's like you are pretentious he's like no, no. he's like that's that's how it works here so then, then she asked, like, could we do a better one or something like that? So they, they tried this other whiskey. And he, he says that he designed the lights there so he has some privilege there. You know, that's how he can get that. And then she, or he asked what she does, and she's like, computer poop. And, you know, it's not nearly as interesting as his art. And she asks about his show, you know, or all his shows or whatever like that. And he's like, tonight's the first one. And she's like, don't you feel like you should be there? And he's like, oh, I'm letting the suspense build. You know, it's all part of, of the act. And she asks, is this part of the act? And, you know, she says that she judges an artist on their art, not on, on a suit and a haircut or something like that. So then he takes her somewhere. At first I was like, is this his place? But it's probably his studio or whatever. 
and and she's she's looking at some of the art and stuff that she's like why aren't these in the gallery he's like uh, these are not for sale and he says that you know kimmy is taking a chance on him giving him a shot and she's like that's bs it's like people don't give someone a chance unless there's something in it for them he gets a text and she's like you know you should probably go and he's he's like come with me and she's like hesitant and you know she kind of fixes his hair and, and they smooch so in a present or walk in the snow, Kate says, you know, someone should say it. She's like, you know, she's like, I don't see any structures. Katara says that, you know, must be over the next ridge or whatever. And Shaw says he ad- ad- admires his passion. And he's like, stop treating me like a kid. Then Kate's like, she's like, over here. So there's like a bluish light or some smoke or something like that. And Shaw says that, you know, maybe it's, it's lights from an oil rig or something. And Kate says that they should follow it. And, you know, so they can see. And Katara's like, you know, we don't know how far that is. You know, that, that Titan can catch you before you're halfway there. And May's like, yeah, if it exists, we have, you know, you have a brilliant imagination, but now isn't the time to use it. And he's like, I'm going. He's like, alone if I have to. And May's like, so what? You, you're going to die to prove a point? And then they kind of like, he's like, well, are you? Are you? You know, they're, they're arguing back and forth. And Shaw's like, you know, stop. He's like, you think you saw something? He's like, yeah, I know what I saw. And then Shaw's like, then go. And don't stop until you find it and then get help. We're going to do the same. He's like, good luck. We're all going to need it. Kate's like, no. He's like, we can't just let him leave. And Shaw's like, he made his choice, Kate. Let's go. So then it cuts to Monarch, Arlington, Virginia. You know, there's people at computer screens, like in, you know, big control room. Uh, they're talking to this Dr. Barnes about what she has for them. So she shares her screen that there's radiation, there's gamma rays. And you can see like spikes from pulsars, like supermassive black holes from outer space. But she's like, this was coming from the Earth. So the detector that picked it up is old. It's an old model. It's pretty much an antique and it's kind of finicky. Um, so it's like this rhythmic pulse, like a pulsar. But as far as she knows, there aren't any pulsars in Alaska. So the, the lady, she thanks her. You know, she's like, send everything, etc. And then Barnes says, she's like, wait, that's not the big thing. You know, the last time anyone saw readings like this was right before the last emergence events from from uh, Jahira and Yucca Flats before G-Day. So I'm like, I've heard of Yucca Flats, right? I'm pretty sure. I was like, what's Jan- Janjira or whatever? So I, I looked up, it's a fictional Japanese nuclear-powered experiment city from 2014 Godzilla. So it's like, uh, you know, maybe, maybe I, I should have watch that that show or or that movie again it's been a while but that's the thing it's like i didn't super love it uh the only thing i i love about that godzilla movie is i went and saw it with my daughter so i got like that bit of nostalgia maybe i should watch it again i mean i i wish i would have watched it before the show you know it would have made a lot more sense uh you know to do it since you know so much is connected to that so it's dark. It's um, like snowing. Kataro's walking. His and it's weird because his like face is uncovered. It's like you think it's so cold that they'd want to cover it up. And then he like hears voices scream out his name. He's like, "May, is that you?" It's like Shaw, Kate. He he tries getting some water from his, his water bottle, but it's like frozen. That's how how cold it is. Kate's like, "We shouldn't have let him go. You know, he won't survive tonight." And Shaw's like, "You know, he just needs to hang on until you know we get help." And you know, there's like they're walking by some rocks. And, you know, some cliff or whatever, just boulders and that. And they're, they're helping May walk. So Shaw's, you know, he's like, you know, let me help because he wants to carry the bag. And she's like, no. She's like, you know, you, you want something. And Shaw's like, oh, she's starting to get delirious. So Kate tries encouraging her with, with th- thoughts of coffee and blankets. And May's like, whiskey. 
So Kentaro's walking. He falls to the ground, and then he's just like rolls on his back. So I don't think he's gonna make it much longer. Um, over the ridge, they're closer to this light thing. And May's like, "No!" In case like we're back at Dad's tent. How did this happen? He's like we're walking in circles. And Shaw's like, "You know, Titans have odd effects on their surroundings, and you know how we experience them. You know, the cloud we flew through this place. It's it's stranger than you think." So May's like lying on the ground now. She's like mumbling. And Kate's like, you know, if we don't warm her, she she could die. And Shaw says like, we could all die if that Titan's still here. And she's like, well, I'm not leaving here without her. You know, we're not losing another person. So Kentaro's still lying on the ground. And then he sees like May lying next to him. And, you know, she's like shining this light up. And he, then he's thinking back to them lying in bed. At, and she's you know, like shining this blue light up. So they're like at his loft or his art studio, whatever. So they're talking a bit, whatever. And he he says that he buried his artist soul and she still hasn't told him a thing. She's like, I told you, I, I do computer poop. And, you know, she like sits up and she's like, I'm from Tacoma. Tacoma sucks. So I came to Japan. Japan is cool. Is that better? She's like, oh, I'm sorry. And she's like, okay, you know, it, you didn't, you didn't make Tacoma suck. So they both get up, you know, to finish getting dressed. And, you know, he's like, you could stay as long as you want, or you can come with me. And she says, you know, that this is his party. She's already seen all, all the best stuff. So he asks, he's like, can I see you again? And she hands him her phone, and to, she's like, give me your number. And I think it's like a, like a razor. <laughs> you know, and he's like, this is your phone? So he starts entering it, and then there's like a text, or I think it was a text, I don't know, or maybe it was a call from Lyra. And he handed it back. He's like, oh, you should probably take this. And she's like, oh, just ignore it. So then he leaves, she stays there a bit, and she answered the phone, and she's like, I'm traveling, and she's like, you know, for work, yeah, she's like, and she's like no, look, you need to stop calling me, I'll, I'll call you when I get back, like, yeah, you too, so I was like, wait, who's, who's this she's talking to, so then uh, she lies back down uh, on the bed, and she's like playing with the light, so May, and, and I, she's like, it's beautiful, you know, Kate talks to her, and May says that her leg hurts, and Kate says, you know, she asks, like, pins and needles? And and May's like, no, like swords and daggers. Kate's like, well, that's good. You know, it means your nerves are waking up, and, you know, you don't have frostbite yet. So I think they're in a tent now, or, or by the tent, because they're, like, in some structure thing, and, you know, there's a fire going. Then May says that, you know, if anything happens to her, just to get in touch with her sister. And she says her sister's name is Lyra. So that's who, who called her before. And Kate's like, let's not go there. And May says that, you know, she's the only person that she can call. And, she, you know, she's got, so she's going to give Kate her, her number. Shaw comes in with crackers and chocolate, compliments of Duho. And he asks, you know, how's May doing? And Kate's like, better. And he says that, you know, the pants are dry, but they're going to have to stoke the fire. And he's like, this is nothing but kindling. You know, it's not going to last very long. You know, who knows what's, uh, you know, in, in your dad's papers. Because, you know, you got papers there. And, you know, it, it could tell them what he was doing here. Theories discovered, you know, whatever, where he went. And Kate's just like, let it burn. So he's like, okay. So he throws some sheets in. He walks a, a little bit, and then some rocks, like, kind of tumble down. And the ground starts, like, cracking. So he's like, get your gear out. It's like, we got to move. Come on. You know, back to where we hid before. So they're trying to get May up. The ground is, like, starts crumbling, heading, like, towards him. But then it stops, and Shaw's like, don't move. And then it looks like, so like it almost looks like giant hands reach up like from the ground and like grab at the tent. So fire comes comes out, like, 
and, and like the surroundings are all on fire. So it looks like there's like a, a like it almost looks like a force field or an energy field, and it's like sucking the fire and like the heat. So May's like, and she says she she can't run from that thing anymore because she's just so weak, her leg hurts or whatever. And Shaw's like, well, we may not have to, you know. And then the creatures like submerges. At the Monarch Place, the lady is giving a report about Outpost Forty Seven and the readings that were registered. She puts like the gamma screens up, and this dude's like, that can't be right. And Lily's like, yeah, it's like the gamma ray flare before the San Francisco event. So this one like lady soldier general, she says, uh, she's like, call it what it was, an attack. And a dude says that it, it, it's like maybe it's a Titan's early warning signals. The others are talking and everything like that. So then Tim, the dude from Japan, he's like, excuse me, excuse me. He's kind of like rude and everything, like just whatever. And he's like, you know, we can't dismiss Bill Randa's files. Now Lee Shaw was, you know, was there. It's like, he, he knows something that they don't. That's why he's going after the files. And he's like rambling on. And then the lady with him, she's like, you know, get to the point. And he says that he thought that they were all there to stop the Titans from killing him more loved ones. He thought that they'd be more open-minded about finding them and stuff like that. So it's like, okay, what, what's the point of all that? Shaw says that, they may, be, they may be knocked on their butts, but they're not done yet. Now, you know, they know how the enemy works. And Mace uh, is like, we do? He says that, the, you know, the Titan didn't go after them. It went after the fire. You know, it didn't go after Kentaro. went after the burning airplane engine. And Shaw says that this is how they can stop it. They just need something hotter. So he finds, like, a big thing, like, aviation fuel. So they build a, a bomb fire. They feed it. And that's, you know, what... what while the Titans are absorbing the heat, then they can hightail it to the coast. And he's like, I'll carry you if I have to. So Kate sees May staring at like Duho's body and she says that she's like, We're gonna make it. And May's like, I'm not. She's like, sooner or later, you know, you're gonna have to ditch me. And when the time comes, you know, you need need to ditch Shaw too. Kentaro is still lying on the ground and he's like, Who's there? He's like, Hello? He stands up, he's like, Hello? And then he's like what are you doing here? He's like, are you real? I thought I was so alone. He's like, so did I. And he's like, you shouldn't be here. He's like, dad? And he, so he's like having a vision. He's not really there because he keeps walking, kind of like bumps Kentaro's shoulder and keeps going. And he starts calling after him Japanese. He's like, it's me. And he's gone because, you know, obviously he wasn't really there. Then he looks at the ground and there's like some something under, just some black stuff, sort of, uh, in the snow. So I was like, wait, is this his ghost dad's footprint? What, what's going on here? So he starts walking. He falls again. And then he sees like the, uh, the, the club where he was drinking, but then it disappears. And then he sees this you know, old structure. And there's like a sphere at the top, which must, must be that golf ball thing. He walks in and then he like sees his art show. It's like flipping back and forth, like past and present. So then you know, he, he reaches for a face that's like his, his dad's or something like that. And in the black stuff that he was following, it turns out it was pencil shavings. So he sees his dad, like in an art galley, sharpening a pencil with his blade. And in Japanese, Kentaro says that he did sell a few pieces, but you know, Kimi dropped him anyways. And you know, he started listing out all the words of encouragement that his dad gave him about you know how you can do this. You have so much potential. I believe in you. He's like, you know, that's what he said. But how would you know, you know, if, if I was ready? You know, he, he didn't want to disappoint him, so he just couldn't face him. You know, how, how was he supposed to know he'd never see him again? So the dad says that, you know, he wouldn't have missed it 
you know, this for anything. He's like, everybody loved it. Your mother loved it. He's like, I loved it too. So then he's standing in his doorway and there's like some electronic stuff under snow. There's like red and green lights. There's pencil shavings on a table. Uh, there's like a window's broken. So it's like letting like in the snow. And Shaw at, at their place, he says that he's like, this is a funeral pyre. He's like, you know, Duho always said he wanted to go out in a blaze of glory. Then he talks about like drinking with Duho because he's like, you know, he, he, shot for shot. He could, always, then, but then Kate's like, do you hear that? So then the, then the Titan bursts up through the ground. Kate may start running. Shaw's like behind a creature. So it's going after the girls. And Shaw is like, hey, hey, hey. He like calls out to it. And he looks for the flint to start the fire. And Kate sees some, some lights and calls for help. May falls and, you know, she's holding her backpack. And then the, the Titan's cold breath, you know, she's like holding the backpack out. The Titan's cold breath starts freezing the bag. So Shaw lights a flare. There's an explosion, sends him like flying back a bit. The Titan turns to the fire. Kate May go towards the chopper. There's a chopper that's coming. And then Shaw starts to wake up. And then Titan goes to the fire, like, whoosh, like sucks it up. And Shaw starts running. Titan goes underground. And then it just turns out Kentaro's in the chopper. So it's like, wait, how did he get there? It takes off, and and the the Titan jumps up. So, but but they made it. And Shaw sees lights, like underground from where the Titan popped up. There's like just like blue whatever. It's just really bright light in there. Later in the chopper, May's you know she's lying wrapped up. Kentaro says that you know they almost didn't hear his emergency call because the signal was so weak. And then uh, Kate's like, I never thought I'd thank someone for abandoning the family, but here we are. And he's like, Dad was there, you know, before me. Someone had to fix the radio that I found. Left the mess of shavings behind. And it's like, he made it out. He's alive. So May's like, she says, like, thank you. And, you know, she extends her, her arm to Kate. So they, like, smile at each other, holding hands. And then Shaw looks in the bag, and he sees the computer's frozen. So he curses. Chopper lands. Then they're greeted by Tim, his lady partner. And there's, some, like, some armed dude. And Tim's like, Colonel Shaw, it's an honor to finally meet you. So they're saved, but they're brought to those guys. So who knows what they're going to do after that. So that was a, you know, that was a episode four. So, you know, they thought they were getting saved, but now they're in, back in the hands of Monarch, which is what they're trying to avoid. Okay, then Doctor Who special number three. So this is the last special. And, uh, yeah, it's going to, start back on Christmas Day, I think. There's the next season or whatever. So it starts off in Soho, 1925. And let me just say, I, I really enjoyed this episode. It's It was uh, pretty pretty nuts. I wasn't, wasn't quite sure what to expect. So Neil Patrick Harris is in this episode. And that's like a good and a bad thing. Uh, be, he's he's good. He's always good when he, when, especially when he plays a villain or whatever. He's just, I, I just, I, I adore him as an actor. The problem is, it's a little distracting at first. I mean, he does such a good job, but so that's like the, I guess the, the trade-off. He he gives a really good performance, but you know it's Neil Patrick Harris, so you have to kind of try to stay in in the moment of the show. And it's just like I said, it, it's it's crazy. So Soho, 1925. This dude walks into his toy store, uh, and then we see Neil Patrick Harris as a toy maker. And I guess he's German because he starts like listing a bunch of stuff, and the dude kind of gravitates towards his puppet, 
and toy maker tries including like uh, other dolls you know there, there's like a one these other ones are but the he the, the guy that comes in he only wants that one and he's like is that real hair and he's like yeah he's like I, I put it in myself he's like i got the hair from a beautiful lady she won't miss it then again she won't miss anything ever again <laughs> so he sells it for sixpence then his accent kind of slips and and then the, the guy that like, comments that he's like well, i hope the kitties enjoy him and you know so sarcastically so the dude walks out and but the you know starts walking out but then he turns he's like it's not for children it's for my employer you may have heard of him he lives only a, a, around the corner back to john something like barrett or something like that and then with his german accent again he's like oh the inventor man what is he being inventing now and the guy i think his name's charlie he, uh he's like well it's complicated it's this new thing called television He's like, well, what a game we are playing. What a wonderful, wonderful game. And you see, like, laugh. it's almost like an evil laugh. So at his boss's place, the, the boss's puts, the, he takes the head off the pop, uh, the puppet, and uh, he, he says, like, poor wee Stucky. He, and he's like, he's like, that's a Scottish word. Do you know what Stucky means? It comes from stucco as in plaster. Uh, but it's come to mean stupid and slow, like Billy Boy's an idiot. So, but he's like, but he's about to make history. So he has a bunch of lights, like like tons of like like strings of lights, like on these whatever. And he's got like some sort of camera like set up and some pulleys and everything. So they go into this other room, and you see like this crude like black and white image of a puppet head. He's like, I did it, Charlie. I did it. The first television picture. And so Charlie's like, How hot is it in there? He's like, We're not going to catch fire, are we? And, and then you see the puppet has actually starting to catch fire because it's got real hair and the light bulbs. But so uh, Baird's like, that's why we need Stucky Bill. It's like, no man could stand under those light bulbs. Problem is, could be a photograph. It's like, I'm tr if I'm to prove television works, I'll need a moving image. And then the puppet's like mouth like drops open and like, like startles them and they both like laugh. And Baird's like, imagine if he could talk. And then Charlie hears giggling but he's like, that wee chap's about to change the world. Imagine what he would say. But then there's like more giggling, even though uh, the puppet head's like starting to turn, you know, black from the flames. Then today, the doctor and Donna walk through London. There's like chaos, just like fires in the streets. There's rubble, cars like smashing into each other. There's looting, people are arguing. Uh, this man like starts walking towards like an oncoming pickup truck and a doctor like stands between them. And to the man, he's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. He's like, excuse me. He's like, can you tell me what you're doing? And the guy's like, I can't drive. And the doctor's like, okay, so which means? And the guy's like, I pay my taxes, which means I pay for this road. It's mine. And I will do with it what I like. And the doctor's like, you'll get yourself killed. He's like, well, it's my life, not yours. And he's like, well, you could just stand over there and be safe. He's like, blame them because it all changed two days ago. Everyone started thinking they're right all the time. He's like, they won't change their mind. They, you know, they change their mind. They think they're right, but not me. I've always been right. And then a car like beeps and it kind of like goes around a doctor and it takes off. The doctor gets kind of spun around and then he comes face to face with a dude like in a, a suit, like a top hat and a cane. And he's speaking with, with a, a French accent. It's a toy maker somehow. So how can he be there? So he says that, you know, it's like perhaps he's like, oh, you will, will dance? And then he like spins a doctor and the doctor's like, like, you know, no thanks. He walks like back to Donna, and then overhead, a voice is calling out from a helicopter. It's like, attention, the doctor. Attention, the doctor. Stay where you are. 
you are under unit control. Repeat, unit control. So at first I'm like, wait, are they in some alternate earth or some alternate timeline and the doctor's in trouble now? So several army trucks and like transport vehicles pull up, armed soldiers come out, and then one comes up to him. He's like, doctor, I'm Colonel Ibrahim of Unit Squad 5. If you could come with us. And Don is like, like, oh, get, get my, my grabs to safety. Never mind about us. They're like, okay. So the doctor looks around the chaos and he sees a toy man just kind of standing there, like, like a little ways off. And he's staring at him like a creep. And he gives this little like slow wave. So then we see the helicopters, like one helicopter is carrying the TARDIS while the doctor is another one. They go to the unit tower. It's like, it, it looks like, it looks like the Avengers tower. I don't know if they've shown the unit headquarters before since i i haven't seen all of the jody whitaker episodes but so they, they go there shirley greets them so she's the one in the wheelchair and then kate lethbridge stewart so she comes up she doesn't look very happy the doctor's like i remember your father working night and day to keep unit secret it's like look at you now it's like out and proud defending the earth and it's like, the way she walked up to him, it's like, I thought she was going to slap him or something like that, even though that would be totally inappropriate. Because I was like, is, is she, are they going to blame him for everything going on? But she gives him like like a solid and like firm hug, like, like just really like, sh like short and whatever. She says that, you know, she's like, I fought them all, robots and insects and yetis and clones, but how do you fight the human race? And so he's given some data and he asks if it's worldwide, but notice the, uh, the person who gave him the data was Melanie. So Mel was a companion of the 6th and 7th Doctor. And I guess now you can say the 14th Doctor. Um, so she says that, you know, she's like, we'll catch up later. It's like, we don't have time. And I think, I think she actually, she witnessed, uh, I'm trying, so Sylvester McCoy, I, I don't know if it was from Colin Baker to Sylvester McCoy, she, she was there for the regeneration. And so things kind of got a little, little, little wacky when that happened with like loss of memory and everything. So she's like, you know, we'll catch you later. We don't have time. Then, then um, she says to Donna, she's like, I used to be like you. I was one of his companions. And Donna's like, I wasn't the first redhead. And she's like, nope, that was me. And Donna's like, okay. It's like, don't say companion. That sounds like we park like him on the seafront in a Weston super mare. And then she's like, is park rude? And Shirley is like borderline. I don't know what that means. So Kate says that since the doctor is there, she's like, report. So Shirley says, two days ago, an increase in violence worldwide. Same increase in every country. All rising exactly the same rate. And Kate says that basically every single human being thinks that they're right and won't be told otherwise. So this Colonel dude explains that a plane crashed because the pilot declared you know, his right to land wherever he wants. The doctor says it looks like everyone's going mad. And Kate says that, you know, so is the government. And they show like a clip or whatever. You know, there's some footage on, on the big screen. The doctor's, he's like, well, you all seem normal. So Mel shows this device around her bicep. So it's called a, a Z-Dex. It's an invention of the Vlinks. The Vlinks. So it's like this robot or something like that. And the doctor's like, hello, the Vlinks. He's like, I'm the doctor. He's like, so why is it called a Z-Dex? And he's, the, 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 the Vlinks is like, good name. So Kate says that it disrupts the brain. Um, it, it flattens uh, the spikes and keeps everything calm. And the doctor's like, and the spike is, she's like, I think I need to show you. So on the screen, she activates the brain scan. So it's it's her brain scan. And it seems normal. She tells her doctor to keep her eyes on the scan as her, her Z-Dex is deactivated. And then she opens her eyes and, and she's like, well, 
the doctor's like, um, hello. And she's like, hello. The doctor's like, how are you? And she's like, fine. And he's like, busy day? And she's like, what do you want to know? And he's like, I'm just asking. Is that a problem? And she's like, it's an invasion of my privacy. And that the scans are like spiking sharply now. She's like, in fact, it's an assault on my civic rights. And I think it's highly relevant that the person demanding information on me is an alien. So the doctor's like, okay. Just like, surely, you know, social reactivity ZDX. And Kate's like, no, 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 no. And she rips it off. She's like, I think you'll find that I'm in charge here. And we've been infiltrated by aliens, by a man with two hearts, a man who changes his face and cannot be trusted. And you and her, both with red hair. She's like, what's this? Some sort of conspiracy? What are you hiding? As for you in that chair, she's like, I've seen you walk. I've seen you walking. Don't deny it. And she's grabbed by two like unit dudes. The, the colonel dude like s snaps her, her Z-Dex back on her arm. And he's like, says, activate it. The brain scan returns to normal. And then, like, kind of on the floor, Kate's, like, she apologizes. The doctor's like, no, it's okay. She opens her eyes and she apologizes to Shirley. And Shirley's like, absolutely no need. And Donna asks, she's like, is it beamed in from outside? The blink says that it's natural. So it's generated inside the brain. And Donna says, uh, but, but not me or my granddad. And Mel says, you know, nor me. And, you know, she's wearing a Z-Dex just in case. But she's been fine. You know, no more opinionated than normal. So the doctor says, you know, maybe long-term travel in a TARDIS, you know, put you out of sync. And Donna asks, she's like, well, can you give everyone a Z-Dex? And Kate puts on a video from this reporter, her name's Trinity Wells. And she's like, they're using this to control us and monitor us and microwave our brains. I am anti-Z-Dex. So, of course, you know, there's going to be people like that. So the doctor asks if they can filter the wavelength, you know, you know, lose the background noise. The doctor says, you know, he asks, what else happened two days ago? So Donna starts like, you know, writing or drawing, doing something. And Kate says that the COSAT-5 satellite launched by South Korea activated two days ago. And Shirley says that, and here it is now, 36,000 kilometers above us. And Kate says that COSAT is a final link in the chain. The world is now 100% online. And Shirley says, but the COSAT is clean. They've checked it and they double checked it. The doctor says that by now everyone has access to a screen. And Donna's like, you know, she's like, what if it's a tune? And, and she's like, I only know this because, you know, she spent six months teaching her daughter how to play the recorder until she said, you know, this is not who I am. And that was the start of a whole other conversation, believe you me. But if she's like, if you look at the seven peaks like this, she's like, it's music. And Mel's like, it's like a classic apregio. Uh, and she's like, middle C, an octave higher, higher. La, 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 la. And then Kate, like, hears something, like an echo. And she asks Mel to sing it again. So she does. And Donna's like, I know it. And Shirley's like, well, you, you, she says that she knows it from somewhere. And then she's like, what are the notes? And Mel's like, C-E-G-C-G-E-C. -E -E so it's, it's a musical palindrome. But it's just a straightforward arpeggio. I think that's how you say it. And she's like, you know, everyone knows them. You know, it's a basic tune. So the question is, why are we all reacting to this one? The doctor's like, I'm not, blinks. And he's like, negative. So it's like, you know, just humans. And Donna's like, it's so familiar. Like it's been, you know, buried in my head for years. Then Shirley finds a, a video with like the giggling and, and up a pregio. It's a puppet TV footage. And the doctor's like, it's not a tune, it's a laugh. And Shirley's like, it's Stooky Bill, the first face to ever appear in television. Donna says that, you know, she's like, I've never seen that. She's like, so how do I know to laugh? And the doctor says that, the very first image hiding in the in the screens, you know, sneaking into your head, hiding and waiting. 
You know, he, he burned himself into every screen and he's been waiting ever since. And he's going around like the room with his sonic screwdriver, tapping into screens and they all like reveal Stucky Bill. You know, he taps on people's like, like uh, tablets, and everything, he keeps popping up. So later Kate asks, you know, who, who could do that, you know, on, on something on this scale and wait all these years. And the doctor says that, you know, they're looking for a puppeteer, that he has a memory of something coming back. And he starts, like, chastising everyone in the room, saying, you know, it's it's not just a giggle. He's like, uh, you, know, you know, don't think that they have an excuse. He's like, the human race might be clever and bright and brilliant. It's also savage and venal and relentless. You know, all the anger out there on the streets, you know, the lies, the righteousness. That's human. That's you. That's who you are. Using your intelligence to be stupid, poisoning the world, and hating each other. You'd never need any help with that. But today, something else is using your worst attributes, playing with you like toys. And he asks Kate if they can take out the satellite, and she says that they they can uh, take like a, take out a pebble on the moon or something with like some laser. But and she's like there'll be international consequences. But you know if the giggle is affecting world leaders, you know they they've you know they've been waiting for permission. So the doctor's like, you have my permission, and she's like, thank you, doctor. So it's like, what what gives him the authority? I, mean, I, I guess because he saved the world so many times. I don't know. So he asked the exact date of the first transmission was made. And then he, he kind of sort of catches up with Mel. She said, you know, she traveled the stars and she decided it was time to come home. But, you know, she didn't have anyone. You know, her family was all gone. And then Kate offered her a job. So there she is. So the beam is getting ready to be fired. Kate tells Donna that it was very good with the music. And she's like, if we survive this, you should consider joining UNIT. <laughs> and she's like, just because she figured out music skills? But so Donna's like, well, how how much per year? And Kate's like sixty thousand. So then Donna's like, hundred twenty plus five weeks holiday. And she's like, done. And she like walks away. And Donna's like, oh, because she wasn't expecting it. I mean, maybe she could ask for more. So the satellites in range in ninety seconds or something like that. Shirley tells the doctor that Stucky Bill was first televised on the second of October, nineteen twenty-five, at twenty-two Firth 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 Street in Soho. He grabs his jacket. Tells Kate to, to fire and we're ready. Don't wait for him. Then he asks, you know, where's the TARDIS? And they're like, whatever room, you know. So Donna goes with him. So they, back in time, they land in Alley, Soho, 1925. Donna starts asking about Mel. And he's like, oh, she's brilliant, isn't she? You know, but Donna's like, you've never mentioned her. And the doctor's like, I'm a billion years old. If, if I stood and talked about everyone I've ever met, we'd still be in the TARDIS yapping. So Donna's like, so you talk about no one ever? You just keep uh, charging on. He's like, yes, because I'm busy, like now. And she's like, you're always busy. It's like, you know, we haven't stopped since, you know, she saw him. You know, she, she got a glimpse into his mind. She's like, it's like you're staggering along. You know, maybe that's why your old face came back. You know, you're, you're wearing yourself out. He changes the subject to asking, you know, where did Stucky Bill come from? So then they see Mr. Emporium's store. And she sees a toy maker, and so, you know, like looking the window, and he's like kind of like ducking and stuff like that. So he's, you know, he's like, it's like, is he, what is he trying to hide from him? Then, you know, they, they walk in, and uh, he's like juggling, like, and tossing balls at the doctor, like pretty, pretty hard, like almost. And he's like catching them, and he's like just like drops them. He like he's like juggling, tosses another one. Then he he talks about the game of ball, you know at the very beginning of time, like the first game or something like that, that it's from the beginning of time to the end of mankind or whatever. And Donna catches the last one. She's like, enough. And 
Then the toy maker's like, ah, Donna Noble. It's like, I wondered which of you had the balls. And Donna's just like, okay, so you know my name. And then she asks the doctor, she's like, how do you know each other? And the doctor's like, Donna, go back to the TARDIS. And she's like, what? He's like, go back to the TARDIS. And Donna's like, you never tell me to do that. And he's like, oh, but he is recognizing me. Are you not pleased, Herr Doctor, to see me after so many years? And Donna's like, who is he? And there's a flashback to William Hartnell and like this dude. And the doctor's like, the toy maker. And he's like, we meet again, Doctor. And he's like, let's think. If the ball was the first game, what was the second? Hide and seek. Ha <laughs> ha. And he, so he like pulls the curtains, he like you know, around him, and he kind of disappears behind the counter. So the doctor like hops up over the counter, like looks, and, and he's gone. So he he goes back. He goes through a door, and there's like this long corridor. And Donna follows. Him. He's like, no, 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 no. He's like, go back. So he opens the door now, and but there's this long corridor behind him too. So the store is gone. And she's like, it's bigger than the shop. She's like, don't tell me he's got his own TARDIS. The doctor's like, the TARDIS is an idea the toy maker would throw away. We've stepped inside his domain, and it's governed by the rules of play. So they keep going through doors. She says that, you know, it doesn't make sense. And, you know, she's seen things with him. You know, all the rules that he clings to are gone. And then she asks, who's the toy maker? You know, what is he? So the doctor's like, when I was young, I was so sure of myself. I made a terrible mistake. I let the TARDIS fall into another realm, a hollow beneath the, the under-universe where science is a game and all of us are toys. And she's like, but you escaped. He's like, I beat the toy maker. I won his game, but now he's here and he's found a way into reality. And I think it's all because of me. Because I got clever, didn't I? I cast that salt at the edge of the universe. And I played a game and I let him in. Which I still don't understand how the salt thing was so dangerous, but whatever. So he's like, you know, I let him in. You know, elemental force with, with the power of, of a god. And he's driven the human race mad with a puppet. And she's like, yes, but you always say. And he's like, oh, what do I say? What do I say? What do I say? Because I'm always so certain. I'm all sonic and... And TARDIS and Time Lord, he's like, take that away. You know, take away the toys. What am I? What am I now? And he's like, I don't know if I can save your life this time. And she's like, it's not about me. He's like, oh, yes, it is. And she's like, well, maybe I'll save you, you big idiot. Anyway, you beat him before. And the doctor's like, that's the probable odds. I'll, you know, I'll lose next time. She's like, it doesn't work that way. She's like, Will said, you know, dice don't have memory. Every game starts from scratch. Which, it's like, who doesn't know that? <laughs> I mean, you, t you know, that's why it's in statistics, independent events, you roll a die, it doesn't matter what you roll. So anyways, the doctor's like, oh, I like that. He's like, well said, dad. He's like, well, we'll find the, the right door. He's like, did he say dad, granddad? I don't know, whatever. He runs through a door and then across the hallway to another. And he's like, you're such a dope. Because as he goes, the door shuts behind him. And so now then he turns and Donna's locked on the other side because he like ran off instead of walking with her. So he yells for her on the other side not to move. They're both shouting at each other, but they can't hear each other. So he says to stay there. He's going to try another door. And she says the same thing. She's like, stay right there. And I'm, they're going further apart, whatever. He tries other doors, and you know some are locked. And he finds ones that are open. He finds you know Charlie, the dude who bought the puppet, but he's like wrapped up in paper or something like that. And he's like hanging on the wall. The doctor's like, what happened? 
and he's like, I bought a toy. I paid the price. The doctor like lifts him up, and, like takes him down. He's like, I came back to the shop because I couldn't stop hearing it, the giggle, the, the giggle in my head. And then he, he as a doc, you know, doctor's pulling the paper off him, some like rope and string starts like shooting up from the, the all the wrapping. Now there's like no roof and Charlie's body has been replaced with like a puppet body. And he, it's kind of freaky looking. He stands up and apparently says, he's like, I will stop if you play my game. So he lost and, you know, now he dances, you know, whatever he commands. He's like, please help me. The doctor looks up and he sees like a giant toy maker holding the strings. Do you like my puppets, doctor? Do you like my fun? All of them played and lost, but here's my favorite one. So the puppet now has like the doctor's head and he repeats, he's like, I think I'm clever. And he runs. Donna enters another room, so it's dark. It's almost like, is it raining outside or thunder or something? And then there's something in the shadows. And she warns him. She's like, I will kill you if this is a trick. So a little like lady doll walks out. She says that she's Stucky Sue. And you know she doesn't know what to do. You know She lost her precious hubby. So they threw her in the cubby. So she's like rhyming and stuff. And she mentions the Stucky babies can't sleep. So they, they missed her papa. So they start coming down from the ceiling like on strings. And they kind of like latch onto Donna. And she like tosses them. It's almost like they're like trying to bite her. Just like grabbing her somehow. So she's like pulling them off her. Then she grabs Sue and she starts like smashing her head. And she asks the baby. She's like, do you have anything to add? And they like crawl back in the shadows. And she opens the door. And then the doctor's there. And he's like, there you are. So at first, you know, of course I'm skeptical. It's like, is that really him? But I guess it was. So they hug. Then in the, the room behind them changes into like a big stage with like red curtains and the toy makers in front. Some chairs roll up behind them, like push them forward and, you know, forces them to sit. So they like roll forward towards the stage. And he, so he tells the story for Donna. He says, what happened when he left her? He met a friend called Amy Pond. And this puppet comes down. He loved Amy Pond. Yes, he'd be liking the redheads. <laughs> they, they went to and fro in space but she was touched by the weeping angel and died. And he like cuts her strings and the doctor's like, she died of old age. And in an American accent, he's like, well, that's all right then. So then he goes back to German. Then he was getting Clara, but she was killed by a bird. The doctor's like, she still survives in her last second of life. Well, that's all right then, in an American accent. Then the doctor met Bill, not Stucky Bill, but Lady Bill. But she was killed by the Cybermen. And the doctor's like, but her consciousness survives. Oh, well, that's all right then. And then the cam came De Flux. Old Donna Noble, the poor doctor, De Flux was killing everything. And he starts like snipping planets from their strings. The doctor stands. He's like, I challenge you to a game. And he's like, I, I accept your challenge. And the doctor's like, you have no choice. And he's like, I played all the games. There was one I was afraid to play. The doctor's like, one request. He's like, back in the future, why does everyone think that they're right? The toy maker's like, so that they win. I made every opinion supreme. That's the game of the 21st century. They shout, and they type, and they cancel. So I fixed it. Now everybody wins. The doctor's like, and everybody loses. And he's like, the never-ending game. Now name your challenge. And the doctor's like, the simplest game of all. Let's cut. So Toymaker's like, highest card wins. And Doctor's like, ace is high. So then Toymaker's like, you choose. I'll go first. And Donna's like, but he'll cheat. 
they both say no. And the doctor's like, that's the one thing that he won't do. And Donna's like, but they're his cards. He knows all the tricks. Of course he'll cheat. The doctor's like, the only rules a Toymaker follows are the rules of the game. That's his entire existence. I win or I lose, and that's it. So they play Dr. Cuts. He gets an ace of clubs, and the Toymaker's like, hmm, like, kind of like not bad. He cuts, and he's like, I'm the king. And now, my kind doctor, we will see what is my prize. And it's like one, the doctor's like one all, and the toy maker smile starts to, to fade. The doctor's like, I won the game. You know, many years ago, you've won today, which leaves us equal. And you know, two players are bound by the inviolable rule. In British accent, he's like best of three. And then the toy maker's like, then let's make it twenty twenty three. He pulls the curtains around him again and disappears. So then some gears start sounding. The, the, doctor, uh, the doctor yells Donna's name. And she's like, I'm already running. So they, they get outside and the shop like folds in on itself. And then there's just like a little box with like the, the card suits on it. So she's like, he said 2023. And the doctor's like, winner takes all. So at unit tower, satellites in range, uh, they fire, <laughs> signal terminated. Doctor comes in with the store box. He tells Mel to, to keep an eye on that. Then he uh, gets up and he says to the room, he's like, the satellite was only a link in the chain. So Donna needs access to the subframe. It's like, there's no one in London faster on a keyboard. She, and she's creating a, a template for all this. He holds up something. It's like, it's coordinates of all the telescope and satellites in deep space, you know, scans, you know, from across the earth. The links, I need all mesh reflectors on Earth translated into five digital uh, files. Donna's like typing some stuff and then she sends it out. Kate asks the doctor, it's like, how bad is it? So he's like, something entered the world in 1925. I don't know how. And I warn you, this thing can get from 1925 to now, like, you know, stepping through a door. He's like, but if we're lucky, the program I'm giving you can detect the decay of energy signature from 90 years ago might be in Earth, might be in orbit, might be in space. But if we can find the entrance, maybe we can turn it into an exit. Kate asks, you know, what what are they fighting? And he's like an elemental force beyond the rules of the universe. So Shirley asks, you know, what's that supposed to mean? And he's like, you think life is a balance between order and chaos, but the universe is not binary. Far from it. There is order and chaos, but there's also play. And he's like, what's what's that? Because there's some music playing. It's <laughs> it spice up your life by the Spice Girls, and Kate says, "You're like someone turned that off." They look around, and the doctor's like, "I think he's here." And then uh, he appears like in this like marching band out leader outfit, whatever, and he's like lip syncing, and he keeps like uh, appearing at different spots. And he starts dancing with with some of them, like you know Kate, Mel. He spins them around so they go like flying. And then Kate orders the guard to take him. Doctor's like, no. Then he turns them into balls, like a bunch of like bouncy balls. The doctor's like, sorry, he's like, they're dead. Then Kate orders to open fire, but then the guns start shooting confetti. So he keeps dancing, and he, he does like a snow angel and all the confetti from all the guns. Then they, they ask her, like, who was he? You know, how do you do that? So the doc doctor tells the links that he needs those scans, and he yells at everyone else that Toymaker is still in the building, so find him. And Shirley's like, but, you know, how did he do it? And the doctor's like, if I told you, 
he manipulates atoms with the power of thoughts. Would you believe it? And she's like, is that what he does? He's like, no, you can't fight him, Shirley. There's nothing you can do. And Donna says, listen, she's like, there's a, a bell tinkling. So he's out on the platform, and Kate's like, oh my God, he's got the galvanic beam. The doctor starts to run out there. The cannon, like, turns towards him, and then he suddenly appears at the control cannon, and he speaks in German. And then the others come out. Mel's carrying the, the, the store box, and he, then he, what he sees everyone, he's like, oh, how I am liking this. The gun mit the, the laser und the bang und the boom. Kate orders, you know, everyone back inside. The toy maker's like, every game is needing an audience, yeah? And the doctor tells him to get back inside. But the toy maker's like, no. He, like, shoots at the top of the tower and, like, some, some debris falls, like, onto the platform. Then in British accents, now we can all have some fun. Kate comes out and asks, where's her staff? And, you know, because the beam had a pilot and, and an armor and, uh, the, like, the ground staff. And she's like, where are they? He's like, I think they're still falling. And the doctor's like, I don't understand why you're so small. And he, it's almost like he doesn't like this because his, his lip, it looks like it kind of quivers a little bit. So the doctor's like, you could turn bullets into flowers. Think of the good you could do. So tell me why you don't. And he's like, you know full well that this is merely a phase concealing a vastness that will never cease because your good and your bad are nothing to me. All that exists is to win or to lose. The doctor's and you know full well that I've had many faces containing something far more. So come with me. Leave this tiny world. We can take your games back to the stars. We can play across the cosmos. We can be celestial. He, the, the toy maker's like, the Time Lord and the toy maker? And the doctor's like, infinite games. And then his expression changes. And he's like, and yet, and the, he turns to canon, I have fallen in love with humanity. The world is the ultimate playground. He goes about, you know, games, you know, bricks falling on other bricks, you know, mind games. You know, all the stuff that they do, whatever. So he turns the cannon back. He shoots at, like, some soldiers' feet. And then he aims at the others. And the doctor's like, stop. It's like, you're fighting with me. And you owe me one more game. And then the doctor gets shot straight dead center by the beam. And I was just like, holy crap. Because I, I think at this point, it's, it's there's still, like, 15 minutes left, if not more. And it's like, they just killed the doctor? So um, the toy maker, he's like... I played the first doctor, or I played the first game with one doctor. I played the second game with this doctor. Therefore, your own rules have decreed. I play the third game with the next doctor. So the beam shuts off, and a doctor like he stands straight back, you know, straight up, and he staggers and he falls to his knees. Energy starts floating out of him, so he's going to regenerate because it's like, how the heck do you survive all that? And that Don is like, he's not dying alone. He's like. She's like, you can do what you like to me. She's like, I'm going to be with him. And Mel's like, so am I. And the toy maker's like, handmaidens. And he like nods. So they take his hands, you know, to like, you know, to get down next to him. And he's like, it's not dying. And she's like, I know, but. And Mel's like, you're going to be someone else. It doesn't matter who, because every single one of you is fantastic. And the doctor's like, it's time. You know, here we go again. Alonzi. So the energy and then it stops and he's the same so it's like wait did he change again and he's like um and uh don is like what what's happening and then he's like could you pull and she's like could i 
And and I was like, and you? And I was like, what do you mean? He's the doctor's like, pull, just pull each way. He's like, I don't know. It feels different this time. And he's like, ow! And he grunts and groans. So there's some more energy, and then they start to separate. So the new doctor, which is the the next doctor, uh, what's his name, Takudi or something like that, and he looks at the the current doctor, and the doctor's like, what? And Donna's like, what? And in German accent, what? And the new doctor's like, no way. He's like, you're me. And then the new one's like, no, I'm me. He's like, I, I'm really me. And he's like, oh, I'm just completely me. I just, he's like, don't just stand there, push. And he's like, do what? He's like, push. So they put their palms next to each other and they push and they separate into two doctors and then they like hug each other. And so he's like, now someone tell me what the hell is going on here. So, so what's funny is like their clothes, their wardrobe even split. So the new doctor, he's not wearing pants. He's, he's wearing his boxers or whatever like that. And he has... He has a outer shirt and I think a, a tie, and then David Tennant has like kind of like an undershirt and he has a pants. So he's like, sometimes what's going on here? So Tony Maker glares at him, and Kate's like, you know, excuse me, sorry, but and and I'm sure he's like, how did did, did that happen? And so the new doctor is like, by generation, I have by generated. There's no such thing. By generation is supposed to be a myth, but. He like kind of chuckles and like cracks his neck. He's like, "Look at me, Mel. What do you think?" She's like, "I think you're beautiful," and he's like, "Still beautiful?" And she's like, "Yeah." And Donna's like, "Do you come in a on a range of colors?" And they're both like, "Yes," like up until now or not until now. And Tony Max like, "If I can interrupt, behold the game of the Time Lords: a dummy who dies and and doubles and dies and doubles. I could play this for a hundred years." I'll have vast meadows of doctors dying over and over again, and I'll never get bored because, and both doctors say, he's like, I challenge you to a game. And he's like, but there's two of you. So doctor is like, I'm the doctor. New one's like, and I'm the doctor. David Tennant's like, and according to the rules, you can't say no. He's like, but that's cheating. And both of them are like, how? You know, it's your game. You did this. You doubled us. So he's like, I accept your challenge. And he's like, moments like these are a joy when someone thinks that they can outwit the maker of the games. It's like, do you think the, the grand total of two can cause me to shiver when I played against the guardians of space and time and shrink them into voodoo dolls? He's like, name your challenge, doctor. So new doctor's like, you said it, the first game ever. David Tennant, doctor's like, the ball. And he pulls out a ball and he's like, catch uh you know of course before we begin there's one thing to remember it's a simple game really i think he like whips it at the tenth doctor at the tenant doctor and he like falls back and uh toy maker's like if you drop it you lose and doctor holds up his hand and he's and he's like nice that's the new one he tosses it to new doctor he tosses it back to the david tenant back to new doctor then hard to the toy maker he catches it Toymaker spins, he throws it to New, he catches it, tosses it to the old doctor who has to dive in and catch. He's like, hey, I'm on your side. And he throws it to the Toymaster who has to dive and catch it. So this continues. Then finally it goes to Toymaker. Um, it hits the tips of his fingers, but he doesn't catch it. And it goes over the edge. So New Doctor's like, we did it for a game. You lost. And he's like, no, but I think you'll find. And they're, they're like, best of three. He's like, and my prize, Toymaker, is to banish you from existence forever. So Toymaker's arms like extend, his body starts morphing. He's like, I'm not, you can't, but I, not fair. 
he starts to like fold up. He's like, my legions are coming. And then Mel like slides his box over. He's like, his folded body falls inside. And then there's a shot of Stucky Bill burning. Um, Charlie starts breathing easy as the weight's been lifted. Then in the control room, the giggle sound wave disappears off the screen. So Kate gives a box of soldiers says to take it to the deepest vault uh, and bind it in salt or something like that. Then she asks the name for all the staff who didn't make it or something like that. So the uh, tenant doctor stares over the city. Um, the new doctor and Donna come up and, you know, he puts his, his hand on his shoulder to comfort him. And the new doctor's like, hey, we did it. But tenant, he's like, but how many died down there? And Donna's like, that's not your fault. New doctor's like, you can't save everyone. And he's like, why not? New doctor's like, come here. He's like, I got you. Yeah. So he's like, kind of embraces him, puts his head on his shoulder, whatever. He's like, I'm here. So it's, even though he's a new doctor and he's young, or he's older, he's young, but he's older. So he's like comforting him. So it's like kind of weird. So then the three walk back inside. Camera pans down. Because um, Tony Maker said something, I, I get I. I didn't catch it, but apparently he he said that someone was was trapped in his gold tooth. So I think it was he said the master. So when he disappeared, the, the gold tooth fell on the ground, and then you hear like a voice laugh, and a woman's hand picks up the tooth. So looks like we're getting the master sometime soon. I do not. I can't stand the master. I get why we have the master, but there was a time where was, he was just like so overused. So inside the TARDIS, Doctor explains the uh, different controls. You know, he's going everything. Um, he's like, but um, how's this going to work? You and me, this is great. I think it is, but how? And you, Doctor's like, one thing you need in this place is a chair. And Doctor's like, I'm all right. And you, Doctor's like, no, you're running thin as a pin, love. You're running, and uh, then he call him love. <laughs> he's like, you're running on fumes. And Donna's like, that's what I keep saying. And the Doctor is like, I'm just, you know, post by generation. And new doctor's like, ha, it's more than that. Our whole lifetime, you know, that that doctor that met the toy maker never, ever stopped. You know, put on trial, exiled, key to time, all the devastation of Legopolis. Uh, David Tennant's like, Adric. New doctor's like, Adric, River Song, all the people we lost. Sarah Jane has gone. It's like, can you believe that? You know, for a second. And doctor's like, I loved her. He's like, and New Doctor's like, I loved her. And Rose, but the Time War, Pandorica, Mavic Chen, you know, we fought the gods of Ragnarok, and we didn't stop for a second to say, what the hell? And David Tennant's like, but you're fine. And New Doctor's like, I'm fine because you fix yourself. We're Time Lords. We're doing rehab out of order. So he's saying that, you know, he's like, you need to stop. But then David Tennant, the Doctor's like, I don't know how. Donna's like, well, I can tell you because you know what I did? When you went flying off in your blue box, Spaceman, I stayed in one place, and I lived day after day after day. And the doctor's like, it would drive me mad. And Donna laughs, like, it does, but you keep on going, and that's the adventure. The one adventure you've never had, because I've worked out what happened. You changed your face, and then you found me. Do you know why? He's like, no. And she's like, to come home. The doctor says, do you mean he flies off? But I could never let the TARDIS go. Never. That would hurt. New Doctor's like, yeah, but by generation has never happened before. What? You know, David Tennant's like, what? And New Doctor's like, what if? Oh, he opens a hatch and the TARDIS pulls out a mallet 
And so he's like, what if the toy maker's domain is still lingering just for a few seconds, you know, while we're in a state of play? So maybe they go outside. The others are still there. Um, he tells Mel and Shirley to watch this, you know, so stand back. He's like, ha, wish me luck. And the doctor's like, what for? And new doctor's like, we won the, the game. You get a prize, honey, and here's mine. He slams the target with the mallet, and a, a second target shoom, slides out sideways. He's like, ta-da! And like, he like whispers to the target, he's like, I'm so sorry. Donna's like, that is completely nuts. Old doctor like, opens it, and he's like, oh, look. He it, it unfolds a little ramp in a doorway, and he's like, that's not bad, wheelchair accessible. And sure is like, at last, you finally caught up with the 21st century. New doctor's like, yeah, go on. So they go inside. It looks the same, but there's a jukebox. So then he goes to the other one. And then new doctor goes into one of the jukebox. He starts at the controls. And then uh, the doctor's like, where is he? We're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Because he, he's like, you weren't going to leave without saying goodbye. And new doctor's like, as if I would ever do that. He's like, come here. He hugs, him, hugs Donna. He's like, look after him, okay? He's like, now you two, you, you know, if you don't mind, there's a great big universe out there calling, and I've got to get going. So off you pop, old man. And David Tennant's like, you're the old man. You're older than me. And Donna's like, yeah, that's true. So new doctor's like, okay, kid, I love you. Get out. He hits a switch. Tardis starts. Donna turns like, oh, I am not doing that again. So she, she goes out. Old doctor leaves, and he stops. He turns they look at each other they kind of like salute each other and then he leaves so doctor says surely he's like i don't suppose you've seen this before he's like you know i don't see it often myself stand by and uh she was like where is he going and the doctor's like everywhere whoosh whoosh tars whooshing and he whispers good luck so then it's uh at donna and sean's must be they're having brunch her her mom and rose are there the doctor's there donna tells them She's like tells him to tell the eyebrow story. So he talks about the species that only communicated with their eyebrows. And he thought, he's like, I can do that. So he stood on the cliff top and he said, you know, moving his eyebrows, he's like, I mean you no harm. I come in peace. I am your friends. And then Mel arrives. She's like, oh, am I late? I go, no, 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 or whatever. He continues the story. He's like, the warrior queen, you know, looked at him and she's like, good. And now you will marry me. He's like, I said, what? And she pushed me off the cliff. And they all laugh. Donna asks, she's like, is that true? That doctor is like, mm. And Rose says, you know, we could always go to the TARDIS and find out. Sean's like, don't you dare. And Donna says, you're grounded until the doctor feels better. It's like, don't go sneaking off to Mars. And Rose is like, again. And then she's like, what does that mean? And the doctor's like, mm. He's like, no, it was. And then he like stammers. It was just once. He looks at Rose. He's like, oh, you're in trouble. Mel says, she's like, he, he took me to New York last week, the Gilded Age. It was amazing. And Doctor's like, yeah, well, you know, just can't turn down my favorite niece. And Rose is like, ah, niece. She's like, I like that. And he's like, well, that's what you are with my best friend, my brother-in-law, the evil stepmother. <laughs> and, and Donna's mom's like, oh, I've barely begun. And he's like, and mad Auntie Mel. <laughs> and Mel's like, she, she likes that. So she like raises her cup. And then the doctor's like, and granddad, where is he? They're like, oh, the, the, uh, Sean's like, oh, off shooting moles. Or no, maybe, someone, I forget, someone said that. And then they get startled by a gunshot. 
And the doctor's like, oh, don't worry. I gave the moles force fields. Like, I love the moles. Donna's like, you love the moles? He's like, I love them. But here we are. You know, who would have thought I'd end up with a family? And then there's like a mix up with like a vegan dish and a regular dish and whatever. Donna looks at him and then she says to him, just, you know, she's like, you don't have to stay here forever. And he's like, we'll see. And she's like, do you miss it out there? And he's like, funny thing is, I, I fought all those battles for all those years. And now I know what for. This, I've never been happier in my life. And we see the new doctors at control moving about. And he smiles on the screen. Destination Christmas. And that's the end of the episode. Uh, maybe some slightly cheesy moments or whatever, but I, I, I think overall, you know, it, it was good. I, I really enjoyed it, and I, um, so just this little glimpse at the, the new doctor, I, I, I like it, and and, I really, really hope that no one has a problem with his, you know, that he's black. Like, oh my goodness, but, I, I think. It's it's gonna be interesting, and you know I'm I'm all for this. I, it's 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 due. It's it's time, so I'm all for it. And then maybe we'll get our Latin ex doctor someday, our Latino, el doctor, doctor quién? Uh, so that was Doctor Who. All right, and now the movie feature is Wonka, and uh, uh, I don't know about this. So, it's it's a decent movie. Um, so I really like Charlie and Chocolate Factory, right? That's the other movie, Willy Wonka, and I, I remember watching it. You know, uh, uh, you know, from time to time, like like middle school, high school, or maybe it was high school, like friends. And it was kind of like a cult thing because you know it, it's a little trippy, you know, especially when when they go into ride that, that weird. I just I just remember that that chicken is like, what the heck is going on here? And and Willy Wonka, he he's kind of he gets a little wicked at times, and just the fact you know things get dark. It's like like oh Ruka Salt, you know, just gets just falls into you know. It's like wow, you know, and he just doesn't care. And you know the roll dolls, the books, you know they're they're kind of weird and a little dark and a little twisted and stuff like that. This movie wasn't. This movie, it was kind of very wholesome. There are some dark moments. Like, you know, one of the characters, Nibbles, she was dropped on a laundry chute when she was a baby, when she was an infant, and she's basically lived in servitude of this you know, wicked woman or whatever and her partner. And just, you know, so, you know, there, there's some bad things. People are, are, you know, getting threatened and whatever. But it was very lighthearted. And uh, I didn't realize, I don't know how he missed this, I did not realize this was a musical. Uh, looking at it's like it's it's listed as a musical fantasy. I had no idea because I only watched a trailer. I'm pretty sure I watched a trailer once. No, I've seen it. I actually, I think I've seen it a couple times in, in the theaters. And you don't really get the musical feeling from the trailer. I had no idea. Now I don't mind trailers, or I mind trailers. I don't mind musicals. You know, I, I think there's a, there's a time and place for them. But this, it was almost too much. Because, you know, depending, if, if you know it going into it, that's one thing. But once it starts happening, it kind of pulls you out. Because it's like, well, I was going to say, it's like, you know it's not happening. You know there's not a big song playing and all this stuff happening. But there was a moment. In this. So the way the movie starts, Wonka's like, Willy Wonka. And it's weird when they just call him Willy. 
because like Nibbles call him Willie a lot, and it's just you always you always think Willy Wonka. You never hear just Willie, and even just saying Wonka sounds weird. But he's like sailing on the ship. You know, he's sailing to the city or whatever, and he, you know whatever exploration he's been doing, and he starts singing, and he's doing this. So it's like, what's going on here? And yeah, you know, the whole thing, pure imagination. You know, Gene Wilder singing that. It's like, it's just so classic. But I was like, what's going on? And he's talking about, you know, how much money he has and this and that and doing all this stuff. And and it's all, there's some cutesy moments and like funny stuff and everything. But I'm just like, hmm. So the whole point of the movie is basically Willy Wonka opens, wants to open up a chocolate factory. He wants to sell his chocolate. There are some obstacles that get in the way that, that puts a little like kink into him doing that, like setting up so easily. There are also some uh, chocolate people, like business rivals, who kind of control things. You know, they they actually they pay off the police officer to do their dirty work, basically. So you know, you got that that aspect as well. And then uh, Willie also gets into another kind of predicament that kind of is going to put a hamper into how easily he can go about and, you know, try to sell chocolate. So, you know, you, you got all the setups for the movie to make, you know, all the the obstacles and hurdles that they have to, you know, go through and everything like that. But there's just so much singing. And Timothy Chalamet, Chalamet you know, he's, he's a fine singer. I, I was, like, flipping, looking at Rotten, Rotten Tomato, and I saw someone, like, like, oh, every time it was the mouth and sings, it, it really, I realized his singing sucks or something like that. And it's like, it's, it, I wouldn't say it sucks. I, I, you know, some of the songs are good, some not so good, and I think some of the not-so-good songs make it a little hard to hear. But overall, you know, they were decent songs. It was, it was fine. And, you know, I, I do, like, when you hear there's, like, a, a variation of pure imagination. At first, I was like, because that that song, um, my, my friend's band, Smoking Pope, so, you know, I, I've known him since I was, you know, wee lad. And, you know, Google that, uh, Smoking, you know, Smoking Pope's Pure Imagination. It's it's a great, great version. And, uh, you know, so, I, you know, there's that, just that nostalgia aspect, of, you know, that song, and Smoking Pope's, and watching the movie as a kid with my, my other friend, and, so when I heard like this variation, at first I was like, it's like, oh, it's different. I was like, that's that's a bummer, but it's kind of neat because it's the same song but different lyrics or you know whatever. So there there's a lot of good moments, and you know there's some feel good moments, of course. And so I think the movie they it, it's really trying to be more of a kids movie, more of a family movie, and that's fine because you know maybe people with a recollection of you know the the past movies they can watch this and. Because you know when you look at like the the Johnny Depp version, I'm not a, not a fan of that one. Um, it was fine. I just I don't really care for the direction. They went more for like a, a quirky Willy Wonka than than a kind of like slightly borderline creepy Willy Wonka. Uh, so then I look at this and it's like, why is Willy Wonka so so you know angry or or no here he's so positive, so wholesome. You know despite all the stuff happening, it's like he's still so upbeat. And then you look at Gene Wilder, but yeah, you say, well, you know, time has gone by. You know, he's gotten older, and here he's still young and and you know optimistic and and maybe foolish in a way. You know, he's he he doesn't realize how things are, and you know, by the time he gets to the Willy Wonka stage or to the Gene Wilder stage, you know, there, there's been you know he he's seeing that 
kind of humanity or people, consumers have kind of lost things, you know, where people are so focused on the commercialization of stuff. So, you know, it makes sense in that, that way. But it was some parts I'm just like, ah. and, you know, just like too many like jokey, jokey, funny moments. But I, I could hear some people laughing and, you know, some, some kids when I saw it. And so I, I think it's all fine with that. You know, the visuals are, are, are decent and everything. Uh, oh, but what I was going to say <laughs> about how the musicals kind of take you out of, out of, you know, a movie or whatever. But, you know, it, it starts off Willy Wonka, you know, get cities doing this song and dance and everything like that. But then you kind of see him dancing on his own. You know, he, 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 and what we saw was like a whole, like town square dancing, but they're not really dancing. There's no one there. And, and then someone like looks at him and he's just like, dot, 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 dot. and it's just, <laughs> so then it's like, does that always happen every time there's like a musical number where it's not really happening? So I thought that was kind of funny. That was a, I mean, that's pretty much it. I don't want to spoil the whole thing, but I think they did a decent job. You know, it, it was fine. It's maybe not geared directly towards me, which is unfortunate, but it doesn't have to be all about me. You know, I, I have that nostalgia for, toward original and I haven't watched it in, in a while, but I, it wasn't quite what I expected. You know, the, the musicals stuff really threw me off. But it was fine. I can see how some people might not like it, but I'm pretty sure it's it's a it's like an 80-something, um, like 83% maybe on, on Rotten Tomatoes. So it seems like people are liking it. Not sure what the user score is. I don't know if there's one... It uh, looks like it's at an 89% audience score based off 250 plus verified ratings. That's 84% critic score based off of 231 reviews. So, I mean, that's that's pretty impressive. Uh, you know, that's, I, I guess, <laughs> you know, some people like it, but some people don't like it. And that's fine. You know, not everyone has to like it. So, we'll see, you know, are, are we going to get everything after this it, it's hard to say with uh you know timothy chalamet's schedule you know could he do another one I, I don't know so i i would like to see another one but i i wish and i i don't, I don't want to keep saying this but you know i wish i wish it was a little darker a little creepier because i think that would be fun but maybe not what the kids like we don't want kids to get scared during movies because that that also help happens but the other thing that also happens is podcast has come to an end so that is going to be it for this week so i enjoyed wonka i if you've seen the first you should watch it if i mean if, i guess if you've seen the other one you should watch it it's just keep in mind it's a musical so it may not be for everyone it, but it doesn't have to be um hopefully this podcast is for everyone but uh big thanks to dave mcphail and andrew loken because of them they're helping make this podcast for everyone you can be a supporter by going to patreon.com slash gman from heck any amount you can commit to will be awesome if you commit at the rick jones here or higher you get access to the secret podcast from heck which is an additional 30 minutes of podcast entertainment every single week and as i mentioned still i'm just going to keep going just a few more issues left x-men the hidden years and then i'll figure out something else after that uh, maybe I'll, I'll talk about time in uh time in 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 comics i could definitely talk about that for a while um but i'm also open to suggestions if there's anything you want to hear um if you can't commit to a monthly commitment you can also help out by going to 
coffee.com slash gman from heck, and you can buy me a virtual cup of coffee or four. That's ko-fi.com slash gman from heck. All right, so next week, we're getting closer to the end of the year. Um, next or this, So next week's episode, the movie feature will be Aquaman, The Lost Kingdom. Is that what it's called? Aquaman 2, whatever that, that is. And uh, uh, as far as TV shows go, so, you know, obviously there's going to be no Doctor Who. But we're going to have, maybe we'll see if I can do two Monarchs. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't want to guarantee that. Maybe I'll try. And uh, Scott Pilgrim, I think there's two more episodes left. So maybe it might be better to do two Aquam or two Scott Pilgrims. I don't know. Reacher's starting up. So I, I'm not going to be able to do three episodes for next week. I don't know if I can do two. I'll try to do that. And then I feel like there was something else. But uh, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. Because... Uh, yeah, I mean, Legacy of Monster, I mean, we still got a few more weeks. You know, I, I just don't want to run out of shows, but we'll, we'll see what's what's going on. So that is going to be it. I hope you are doing well. I hope you have a fantastic week. I hope you had a fantastic week. I hope you're taking care of yourself. I hope you're taking care of others. I hope you remember, be good to each other. Mm-hmm.